Welcome to That Comic Smell Podcast. With your hosts, David Robertson, Fernando Pons, Mike Sadakat, and Tom Stewart, with special guests, Neil Scott, Stuart McAdam. One day we were just making idle conversation, I was like, so he had a Star Wars room, right, in his attic, and it was all <coughs> about museum about the, all the toys. <laughs> and by the way, his... Comics is fine, Star Wars room. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> anyway, he was dead proud of this, oh. and I was like, so what? what's like the most valuable Star Wars toy or thing, you know, is it, you know, a box Millennium Falcon or whatever? And he was like... It's this one called Yak Face. Mm-hmm. Yep. And no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I know. But then, but then he turned around and he, he went, so it's Yak Face. And I was like, so who's that? And he was like, oh, it's a guy that was in the cantina. Oh, no, Jabba's Palace. So and, um, and he kind of looks a bit like a yak. Yeah. And I was like, go and show me a picture of it. And he showed me a picture of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've got one of them. Really? Brilliant. <laughs> 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 And he was fucking raging. <laughs> he was so raging because he paid like he's got about four of them, and oh, he paid man. like oh, you know three hundred quid for an unboxed one. one <laughs> my uncle had been in. Apparently, there were limited release. Yes, in Canada or one of the like yeah. a market like that. Yeah, and there was maybe ten thousand of them made uh-huh. or something like that. And my uncle went into like a Toys R Us yeah. on his way home from. Canada ones picked up like four random Star Wars toys and brought them back. <laughs> and so I've got that. It's unboxed. It's good neck. Like it's been, yeah. played, with it's been played with, but it's got like the arms and that have been, uh-huh. you know, but they're still quite stiff. Yeah, face stands properly. No weapons or helmet or whatever uh-huh. that comes with that. But he was just so fucking raging. <laughs> I had one by complete accident, and I took it in. Because yeah, he, he, he couldn't believe it. <laughs> 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 that is brilliant. Oh. This is this is basically it. <laughs> we just kind of keep going. No, you've like, got a fucking list of questions. I do have a list of questions, but I'll just do them as my chat. Oh, I've, I've got. I suddenly got a question came up in my head from a few minutes ago. Do you two ever? Do you two ever fall out during your? Uh, well, he did say he yes. was sick for a bit, and then it went on, and then no, it stopped. That's so the first I've heard of this, though. So we, oh, maybe oh, this will be the first oh, yeah. <laughs> Are we going to clear some space? Uh, who's going to be the referee? <laughs> I think. No, I don't think so. I really follow. What's the next question? <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to start anything there. I just, I was just trying to make it look like I'm going to like do my uh, uh, frost on there. I think, to be fair, if there's ever been any reason for someone to be annoyed with the other person within this relationship it would be coming from Neil to me because <laughs> I'm a fucking nightmare sometimes <laughs> like really like I'm so bad well I, I think I'm better now but I used to be terrible with like time management or like I just forget things and do you know what I mean like remember that time it took me three months to give me a frying pan 
As a Christmas present. Yeah. I still actually still never got it. What a bastard! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first three months is when you stopped waiting. Yeah, yeah. basically. Okay. Don't don't fucking stop. <laughs> That's the worst example you can have right now because. The reason they never got the frying pan is because it was in Dundee Police Station as evidence. <laughs> because I was in, I bought it, and then I was in Jukes, and for some reason we were all acting down from the toilet in Jukes, and the guys were like, "You need to leave. You're drunk or something like that." I don't even really remember. And I was like, "Okay, right, um, fine, blah blah blah." But the guy hit me in the back of the head, and I was holding a frying pan, and he sort of like pushed me, and I swung the frying pan round and smashed one of the like frames on the jukes you know at the door they've mm. got like frames with like bangs coming up or stuff menu or whatever and they phoned the police and the police took the frying pan off <laughs> i've rested the frying pan <laughs> yeah. i thought you were going to say the frying pan had the imprint of his face <laughs> to take that to idea <laughs> does it match up depressing <laughs> It's like the row of people, the suspects, and you have somebody standing there holding the frying pan up. Because the frying pan doesn't fit, you must equip. And yeah, we've never fallen. I think they, uh, we managed to build a canoe together uh, oh. in a month, working till like 3 a.m. Yeah. And then Stuart would drive back to Glasgow to work in a comic show. The only time that I've, each other. I've ever seen you annoyed as well was that story that I tell all the time about you twisting the. Which little wee bits of brass wire. Making a canoe, you had to like, you had the slats, the knob like that. And there was wee bits of brass wire, was it brass? Yeah. Well, copper. You, copper, yeah. and you were twisting them together. And then we had to put like a front bit in, and it kept slipping. This was, I don't know if you've ever been to Tin Roof. Well, you have, David. Yeah. <coughs> Where did you go, Mike? Where's this? You remember where we built the treehouse for that launch for you there? No. No. Anyway, it's a big, it's a big uh, warehouse in Dundee. Oh, is that the one that's just uh, <coughs> just Hotel, the one Hotel? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I have so been there like once. It's like a drafty red brick warehouse. It's mm -hmm. Eden. And we were had this like fucking. This was like February. Space heater. Yeah. <laughs> you know the big things are like big cannons. Yeah. <laughs> and it was going like <laughs> from a pure ship. We're standing like so close to each other. You were holding one side. And I'm like Neil, <laughs> just move it one millimeter. North! <laughs> like, and, then go, and we're just shouting at each other, and then it would, it would just go, fuck you, and it would go, right. And you just, you, like, I was, like, I'm the kind of person when I get annoyed with something like that, I fucking, like, pick up a screwdriver and fucking launch it across the workshop. But you just went like that. <sighs> <laughs> and I think that's the most angry. <laughs> a, deep, a deep breath. Yeah. That's me, me tied on the steel. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So how long have you both known each other? It was 2004. Yes. Mm. What is that? 14 years. It seems ridiculous now. Mm. Oh my god. First year of art college. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. And we did a lot of work in first year. Like in Jordan, and we, uh, I think the first time I spoke to you, we were in the canteen. And I was reading a poster about a... Like, Take, take a trip on a sailor's and boat for the summer. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Stuart came up and was like, that looks good. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was that basically the And then he never, he's not stopped talking since, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, <clears throat> I distinctly remember finding out that you had a DS. 
and then playing Mario Kart on the DS yeah. outside the, le- the Friday lectures and you know in the art school there's those green sort of pits and playing Mario Kart on the DS mm. when we should have been doing mm. <laughs> Okay. Cool. Well, I guess we better actually ask some questions, seeing how we have got you all the way here and everything. Which very thankful for the come along. No worries. Thanks for having us. Well, we'll start off with the uh, the simple question of the tell us a bit about yourselves. You're a very crunching modern pumpy sauce. Well, I'm Neil. This is pretty well, we, are, we do a podcast as well, three hours podcast, and uh, what you just heard from Stuart was what happened every time I tried to do an introduction on the podcast as well. I'd be like, hello, and then you just hear Stuart creasing himself in the <laughs> at my radio voice, which always comes out when we try and do podcasts. Um, anyway, so that, yeah, I'm Neil, I, uh, I met Stuart uh, 14 years ago in uh, art college in Dundee, and um, I'm an artist, as is Stuart. I also work as a postman, that's my sort of my day job. Uh-huh. Uh, and I currently live in Edinburgh, but, um, moving to Fife, which is good, kind of closer to Dundee, which is the base of where all this sort of stuff kicked off yeah. for us, art college and, and treehouse as well. So that was a terrible uh, description <laughs> of myself, but Stuart's not talking about you. So. Uh, I'm Stuart, um, and I met Neil 14 years ago at art college. Um, I live in uh, Johnson just now, um, but I was living in Dundee till a wee while ago. Um, yeah, I don't. I hate that question actually. Yeah, I don't and know. It's, it's 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 funny because I don't have a like a stuff a, a twenty five word answer to that, and you know, and I don't really like defining myself by my name or my. We were talking about this on the way, my relationship. To yeah. Um, Although it's obviously very important here. Yeah, I'm an artist as well. Um, my day job, my most recent day job would be working with Deliveroo, um, which is interesting. With Dean Deliveries. Yeah, I was a postman as well, do you know? Um, that was my very first job when I was 17. And I wish that I just... Did you know what to now do all the jobs that you've done? Yeah. Including uh, Shortbread Factory. Christ, uh, Football stewards. Let's see can, let me see if I can name them all. Comics, shop, eBay, mm-hmm. seller, uh, gallery assistant. Where's that? No, that's that? a made up one. <laughs> <laughs> um, voluntary school assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was running a school in November. <laughs> I can't think of any of those. A uh, theater, oh, it was a gallery assistant. Theater, theater tender. Mm-hmm. Hotel barman, mm-hmm. uh, van driver, van driver, um, um, boots, the chemist, Safeway, little employee, little. Um, fuck. Are you like me? You just get really bored with one <laughs> job, so move on to something else. It tends to. Do you know what it, what yeah. it is? And it, it's kind of interesting that you can that you've asked me in this way because because you've not really asked me, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but the it's it's the nature of being you know, a, an itinerant worker mm-hmm. in the arts or a person that's involved in that kind of stuff, you kind of naturally d- ditch it to do a project. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's happened a lot. And sometimes it's been like two years between a project. So I've done a job for two years. I worked in the comic shop for a couple of years, and maybe like 18 months or something like that. 
Um, but then I worked in Avis at the airport for in Glasgow, sorry, for two months. And I already knew I was doing a project mm. when I took that job, so I already knew that I had a limited lifespan on it. And the reason that I've, uh, the, the reason I'm labouring this or like sticking with it is that I'm actually sick of that kind of model working and living and you know, and I think it's playing into a lot of what I'm thinking about at the moment regarding yeah. the work that I make and how I do it. Right. Um, so I don't know if there's any follow on to that, but um, I guess the point is when you're an artist or you're thinking of yourself as an artist, it's kind of hard to just do that and nothing else unless you want to survive on yeah. the generosity of others, basically. You know, you need to do something to get money and relying on arts funding and projects and either you end up doing a glorified sort of social worker community project type thing, which you've done, I've done a little bit of, but it's kind of, it's like art adjacent, but you're not actually doing what you want to do with the yeah. art, you're kind of facil facilitating something and doing, playing a role in, in providing arts in sort of a small scale um, and getting paid to do that. Or you just do a job that's completely unrelated to your art practice. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like, thinking about what you're saying there and I don't, I feel like the projects I've done have been very valuable to the development of how I am as an artist and I think that the, that even defines, you know, a functional role of art, which, you know, you think about the DCCS and the workshops and stuff mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing that goes on. <clears throat> I think that there's always this, there is a functional aspect to it that actually enjoy the sort of working like that. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also, you know, when you're working to someone else's agenda, then it can they can just end the project. Mm -hmm. And it may not be the natural end for you. And then that can have a discrepancy. Yeah, the, kind of, the issue with it is if any permanent job in that sphere, I think, gets further away from that idea that it's actually useful to you in terms of what you're doing. Do you mean if you end up working in like the National Gallery and the Education Engagement yeah, area. Exactly. Okay. And there's not even that many jobs about it, but I think the the point I was maybe feeling to make was it's it's difficult to find a, a, a job in art that is most satisfying and pays you for more than like a couple of months. Yeah. I think as well I'm just not really that keen on having the money that, I mean, it's, I, I don't mind getting paid for the work that I do. Mm -hmm. I actually enjoy that part of it. But I feel like I want to remove the link between the money that I earn for survival and the whatever I happen to be thinking about that day. So, for example, I might be wanting to make something about the fact that I liked the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when I was a kid and I found one of the toys when I've been at my mum's house that I used to play with. I might want to make something about that, but that might not be what someone wants to pay me to do. Mm. And I think that that opens up like quite a big sort of, I mean, that, it's such a vast and um, complicated sort of subject to talk about, but mm -hmm. I feel like I'm finding it increasingly more difficult to, um, to want to do that kind of work. I do love working with people and I love working with organisations actually, even though there can be loads of challenges with that. Um, you know, I've done projects in rural rural, uh, rural areas and so the audience engagement aspect of that can be quite difficult literally because of the demographic. 
but that's quite interesting as well to play with that. And yeah, there's. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I feel like there's a. You, you don't want me to sit and talk about the, the other side of the coin, is it, I suppose, is and there's no reason to expect to get paid for doing the work that you're personally interested in because it's not yeah. necessarily interesting anybody else. Yeah. So if you can remove that link of feeling need to for that to be the way you earn money, mm -hmm. that can be quite liberating as well. Yeah. That's another side of it. Like if you are happy enough doing a job that is not your artwork, it can kind of free you up to do the sort of stuff that is, is technically self-indulging because you're indulging your own whims yeah. as an artist. It's that disconnect as well though, isn't it? I mean it keeps it keeps the it keeps the art fun if you're not focused on cash. I mean, if you're focused on cash, it's almost like you need to be churning something out just to make a living. Yeah. Whereas if you're just doing it for off of your own back and then and, and just doing it for the sake of it, kind of thing, for for you wanting to do it, it yeah. keeps that fun element to it. And instead of yeah. having to labour away on something, which is not to say you shouldn't get paid for something. No. You do for for whatever reason, you yeah. know, you do something that somebody has asked you to do or you do something and submit it to someone, I still think you should get paid for it, but it's quite a difficult situation to be when the work that you make is your only source of, of financial well-being. That kind of I've never actually had to be in that situation, so I can't speak from experience, but I can imagine that it would be pretty stressful. I mean I have been given a lot of freedom to do the things that I want. A lot of the time you get the feeling that people are investing in you to develop your own work and to develop as an artist and you know that's probably the majority of the feeling that I've had. There's just been quite a few times where I've done a project and you know I've, I've had to give up a job like I gave up the van driver job <clears throat> for example that we were just talking about and I did a sort of month long bit of work and then I was just kind of like out in my arse and I found that quite, I didn't really think about it at the time as a problem but then as, as you get older and you start having different things going on in your life as well, you start to not be so keen to just drop everything because it really takes away the means of your production. Mm. Um, you know, a good, like an easy, for want of a better expression, part-time job or a, you know, a full-time job can really um, facilitate a lot of the work that you're trying to do because yeah. you can just plod on and do it mm -hmm. and you can afford you've got the means of it you've got the support network there but then a couple of times I've just found myself completely lost with no money no means and no like no energy anymore because I've burnt out doing a project yeah. yeah it's kind of a fine balance this right isn't it yeah you don't really have an answer I suppose <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know, know, know why we're talking about this <laughs> kind of I guess with relating it to comics uh, we've kind of talked a lot over the years about how neither of us would ever really want to be in a situation where we were making comics for our, you know, the yeah, yeah. for our situation that's quite prevalent in comics, just because it fundamentally doesn't really fit with the way I think about them, how I enjoy making them. But that's not to say it's not a valid uh, way of making comics. Yeah. Obviously, people do lots of good work with that, but it's just to me, it would just, I guess, suck any joy out of it that, yeah. I, that I get. Also, I could never work to that sort of schedule, it's far too demanding, it takes yeah. way, way longer to make comics. Yeah, got a lot of respect for people like Nori who are doing that, you know, mm -hmm. trying to do that. Because um, it's like very intense, so I just couldn't work at that rate. No. Mm -hmm.
But is, is that why is that why you decided to start Treehouse or just to keep there something between yourselves or well I've been I actually thought you might ask this and I've I've kind of been thinking about what my answer could be and I thought of what you might answer and I thought about if there was going to be any discrepancies between us. You go first. Because <laughs> I actually see this treehouse as basically when we did we did a couple of projects in a good number of years ago now, 2011 and 12. And as one of the outcomes for that project, we made a comic. And um, and it's all, the, the idea of doing the comic was kind of like something that we gen, we kind of had this idea over the time of doing it. Because basically, even though we both trained as artists and that sort of fancy way of talking about it, we played Nintendo games, read comics, and, you know, played football. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like things that <laughs> seem out of sorts <laughs> with that sort of quite pretentious kind of art yeah. sort of thing. And I think that we probably bonded over that more. Than, and also like the, the sort of outdoor aspect of it, sort of camping, the walking, the canoeing, because mm -hmm. these were the basis of these projects. And now we were, we, so we, we started doing um, some work together. We did a walk along the, the, the rivers Isla and Tay. Mm -hmm. And once, was it round about after the Isla flows into the day, it becomes navigable by the canoe? Yeah. So Neil had borrowed um, his friend's canoe, and we jumped in this canoe and canoed right down through Perth and out to Broughty Ferry. And we sort of made a few sort of investigative kind of outcomes to that, a couple of drawings, picked up some stuff on the way, and um, what else did we make? You made a laugh. You made a book. We made a wee booklet. It was all prose. Yeah. Pictures. And, and and then we were sort of sitting a wee while after that. We were actually playing Pro Evolution um, soccer on the PS2 in the gallery space because we had a TV set up and we were all like, let's get the, the exhibition at church. So we were like, let's get this off and get some real stuff on. I think you'd be I'd be on 6-2. 6-2. I've actually got it in VHS. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, we were just sort of like, because at the same time, a couple of our friends, Cam Fraser, had organised this thing called 24 Hour Football, and it was a 24 Hour Football match in Generator, um, up in the Midwind, and so we played in that with a whole squad of other folk from uh, Dundee kind of arts stuff, and then we were kind of, one of the things we were thinking about was, we could do like, you know how you can set the time on a football game for like 90 minutes? And I think in Pro Evolution you can only set it for like 50 minutes or 45 minutes for both. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the point being is that we were going to do like the video game version of 24 hour football. And that's why that's why we recorded it. So that I'm just qualifying why we recorded it. <laughs> Not that I had a sneaky suspicion I was going to thump him six <laughs> And I thought I'm going to stick a VHS in and get this in tape. So um while we were doing that, I seem to remember like finishing up and we were sitting in this couch and the, we'd done quite a lot. I thought we'd done quite a lot of good work, and um, and I'm sure Neil did as well. Did you? Yeah, it's okay. And uh, <laughs> but but there was something about it where it felt like a first attempt or a first draft or something, and we sort of thought, and I was like, oh, it'd be good if we could get on a Richie's canoe again. And you were like, oh, he's using. I think he used it throughout the year. We used it when he was on holiday or somewhere. And then I was a bit like, oh, do you know what? Let's just fucking make one. Ha ha ha, and we laughed about it. And then about three weeks later, Neil got back to me because Neil's much more of a kind of um, 
like Neil's actually got the skills to build a canoe. I've got the skills to sort of go, ha, it'd be dead funny if we made a canoe, wouldn't it? <laughs> and then never do it. But Neil uh, got back to me and he was like, I was thinking about what you said there about that canoe and um, we probably could make one if we, if we, you know, get, we could get some money. And, and so we applied for some, and, and cut a long story short, we applied for some money and Neil and I, Neil and I uh, made this canoe. So it was fifty fifty. No, it was it, it, it was um, it was fifty fifty. But um, I, I I remember sitting outside before we started building, and I think he said something like the, the the natural next step would be to build a boat. Yeah, you know, yeah. we'd already made, made a joint with a canoe, and yeah. so to just do it again would have just been repeating ourselves. So yeah, and it made sense for the way we both work as artists. We kind of both have had to define ourselves. We probably. If somebody asks you what do you do when you say you're an artist, the easiest way to reply is to put in sort of language that most people understand. I haven't gone to art college, so mm. you usually say sculpture, and usually say sculpture as well. Yeah. It's the easiest way to frame it, and that we work in sort of three dimensional ways. But we make journeys or we yeah. build things, but the things that we build are usually functional in some ways. So the mm -hmm. canoe was a functional sculpture, and yeah. then we would make it together, and then we would use it for the journey. Yeah, and. I think that that actually is a good way because a good way to describe it because someone recently sort of really hammered me to define myself and I don't really tend to do it as we found out when you asked at the very beginning and I sort of stopped and didn't I just point blank refused to answer. Um, but I, you know, if pressed, I would always say that I was a sculptor. But you know, what have I made? Like I've probably made like three things from sculptural materials like wood or metal or something like that in my mm. whole life, and they've usually been pretty crap. Um, or part of a bigger process, um, but as as you're saying, like it, it did seem like the next step to make this thing. So we, so then we followed it up very next year. So we, so the timeline was some like summer two thousand eleven, September two thousand eleven. We put on an exhibition, in fact, at Tinroof, which we were talking about before. You, well, maybe it's on the recording. I don't know, but then um, we then had the canoe built by February March, and we had to, we had to get it done by the end of. If we're by the end of March, because we're heading out, we had booked oh, yeah, time, yeah, yeah. time off, or I had oh, time off from work, yeah, yeah. so we had like a deadline to finish it, which is why we were working till 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah. to get it built. So, so we had it built in like four weeks or five weeks um, from, and we, we bought a kit just for the sake of clarity, because we'd applied for money from the Dundee Visual Arts Award, oh, okay. and it was, it made more sense, because neither of us had actually built a boat before, and um, you know, we wanted to have a certain uh, sense of it might actually work. Yeah, just put it in the client instantly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's, it's kind of interesting because actually a lot of people did say, "Oh, you're not worried." You know, my mum, for example, was, "You're not worried that this is just going to sink the minute you put it in." And I was like, "Actually, that is the least of my worries <laughs> because if it sinks, it sinks. You know, it will just start sinking, and I'll get out and I'll walk back to the the shore or whatever." Um, and I had more confidence than maybe my mum or whatever and my ability to make this work. <laughs> but the thing that I was most worried about actually was because we were going on the Clyde and then in the canal. Should should would it be worth it? Yeah, I'll just tell you. So the first trip was actually probably something that's quite personal to you. The landscape that we walked through was the the landscape that you grew up in. So it was kind of like Persia and down through Cooperangus and then it ended in Dundee. Which I think on the trip we kind of decided was like apt because that's where we'd met. Mm -hmm. But then 
I don't know what point Leslie got involved to. It was after that first the show. Yeah. So she, uh, Leslie, um, was running a gallery called The Outby in Pittenween, and she asked us to to sort of if we were doing something else, would would you have a show of it in the the Pittenween? Uh, what was it called? Outby Gallery. So we agreed to that, and then that kind of that was our final destination for the next trip, and then we sort of thought, well, where will we go from? And Glasgow seemed like the most sort of apt place. I don't even, I don't really remember the decision-making process that led to that. I think we just thought, you know, we'd gone sort of vaguely north to south mm-hmm. following the Langwood River, so it made sense to kind of yeah. go west. Because we're finishing on the east coast, it made sense to start on the west coast. Mm. And, and then to connect those two. And then I kind of grew up there. Anyway. Yeah. So it was quite interesting for me because I think one of the things that we both felt, um, I think, I definitely felt it was that idea of how you have this adventure in your back garden, mm-hmm. you know, because we, you know, we were, we were in places like, um, what's the opposite of Erskine? Bowling. Bowling um, and Erskine Beach and um, like places where... Kirk and Yeah, Kirk and Tillich and... Uh, at the so places you kind of pass in your, your motorway driving through. Yeah. So all these well, places where, like, yeah, yeah, just as road signs, you know, or uh, you you did experience that as your the yeah. area you grew up in, you, you knew the names, but yeah, then you're seeing it from this new perspective. So, we, because we had done this trip, I'll just jump to that. So because we'd done this trip from the canoe, we were looking out, we're taking loads of pictures, we shot film and stuff like that. We thought it'd be quite nice to somehow represent what it would be like for people to look in at us. And then that just naturally kind of led itself to a comic. Mm-hmm. So we ended up drawing together, I, can't, I think we sort of, we split it, didn't we? We sort of like split it like, you'll yeah. draw these bits. And well, We had the film kind of in our minds, at least if not fully edited at this point, and we kind of wanted to m- find a way that would fill in the blanks of that sort of narrative because the film is very literal of the journey but there's big yeah. gaps between because you don't obviously show the whole thing and there's all this stuff that happened that we knew about but nobody else was going to know about unless we showed them somehow so the, the comic and the film kind of came together as like a, a piece to, yeah. to give the whole story um, and as a way of giving our sort of I guess more conversational take on the on the journey because the film's quite um, yeah. well it's wordless basically apart from a small section mm-hmm. um, it's more of a sort of visual yeah and I think that you know I, I know the exact panels from that comic that really tell their story and it was um, we were going along near Mary Hill in the canal in Glasgow and there was like five sort of teenage girls that were walking along towards us and I don't know if, I don't know if you've ever done anything like this but <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're sort of like canoeing along like by Great Western Road and there's like some guys fishing or like just like a JK walking towards you or something like that. You just and it and you, you know it's not even it's just like a prejudgment, you're like, Oh god, what are they gonna say? Because actually there were people that we were we were sort of like past some folk and they were like There's two fucking dicks in the canal <laughs> <laughs> And, and we're just like, all we were doing, they, we didn't even know they were there. And um, so you, you got like you got like this kind of incredulous response from people. But there was these five sort of teenage girls who just couldn't believe that there was any, that anyone would even go in the canal or anywhere near it. <laughs> Don't even know why they were there. But we were, we were paddling along and they had phones out with, sh- like shooting us on video, like just totally incredulous. 
But you drew a really beautiful picture of that because it was like these five phones that masters in the canoe, but you could see all these sort of like Saturday type um, images of us okay. uh, from there. So I think that it was like little moments like that that we wanted to try and. Mm-hmm. And then you wrote a nice little bit about the um, the swan. Remember the guy? Yeah, this guy just we were just stopped at one of because you had to <laughs> go underneath all the bridges on the canoe. Yeah. Some of them were like yeah. a foot. You actually got a repetitive strain injury from clicking because <laughs> yeah. you were doing the colouring on a mouse. Yeah. Um, I remember you were wearing that thing for ages. But <laughs> the gimpy little clothes. See, <laughs> see that actual process though, because maybe this is interesting because we had sort of come up with these ten two-page stories, say, mm-hmm. and five of them were one that I sort of thought of, and five was what Neil. But then we kind of got to a bit where we were about like. We need to end it because it can't just be like vignettes. And do you remember the when we kind of had this? Do you me- actually remember the conversation we had at the boat? We got washed up actually. We were about twenty miles from Pitt and Weem. As soon as you come out the fourth and sort of turn left, Kirkcaldy, Burnt Island, kind of bit. I don't mm-hmm. know what Burnt Island. And um, and is Kirkcaldy further south than Burnt Island? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, no, it's, no, it's the other way. It's north. north. So anyway, so we. Oh yeah, because we walked through quite uh, a... Yeah. Uh, King Horn that we finished. Yeah. Out. So we, we kind of like come out of that um, Burnt Island where the, there's a wee bay and the waves were coming like west mm-hmm. and in the canoe you also have to kind of not capsize mm-hmm. so you have to kind of hit the waves. There wasn't enough time to hit the waves perpendicular. Uh, aye, perpendicular. Yeah. And then turn to make any progression up the coast. We ended up getting washed up on the beach just a wee bit further around the mm-hmm. king. When you're in a canoe you're like about six inches yeah. from the the surface yeah. of the water. So any wave bigger than a foot feels like a you yeah. know, like a like you're in there. Yeah. <laughs> what was like, that? What was that? Perfect, perfect storm. storm. Yeah. Perfect yeah. storm. Yeah. But I mean if you, anybody saw us from land it would have looked comical. We yeah. were just like rocking and then like, oh, look, it pushed up onto the shore. Yeah. <laughs> we had this conversation at that moment where we just we sort of like said something along the lines of is this project about getting to Pitt and Weem or is it about canoeing to Pitt and Weem? Because those seem like two quite different, you know, things at the time. And it was about getting to Pitt and Weem and completing that journey. So we ended up walking the rest mm-hmm. of it and we left the boat at King Hall. Um, but that 
we we'd wrote that into the comic, and it's just a bit in the comic where it's like speech bubbles of the conversation we had because we couldn't really think of how to translate that. But the reason I'm mentioning that is because you know when you think about someone writing a script and then sending away that to an artist who draws the pencils and then they send it to the inker and then the lettering mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. that process. And f- I think there was a moment. I think that was the moment where we were actually really collaborating on the the actual on the page. yeah on the outcome rather than maybe collaborating on what the structure was going to be, which I also thought was quite... Because I remember you drew the speech bubbles and wrote the yeah, and, you drew and then I drew a picture just of the canoe uh, sort of tucked beside the shed, which was the... That was my last page. It was the final image of the comic, and I think we had a page of text or something afterwards. Anyway, I mean, that's all well and well about the that Union project, but um, we called it Union because we mistakenly thought that the canal that linked the Forth and Clyde was called the Union Canal. And we thought, it, and that wasn't, it was called the Forth and Clyde Canal. <laughs> Should have been pretty obvious. We didn't pass the Union Canal. <laughs> In fact, I actually looked at, because I've been clearing out a lot of stuff on my computer, and I actually found the video of us paddling around the basin of the Falkirk Wheel, where the Union Canal branches <laughs> off. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but the you know soon after that we'd made this comic we did a film and I think we kind of both I mean I, I look back at that and I still feel I feel like I got I mean two thousand you know six years ago it seems like quite a long that's a long time mm-hmm. you know to have reflected on it and um, but I remember soon after that we were kind of like we should make a comic we should do a comic where we you know where it's just the stories that we've got and it wouldn't be have to be tied to a to say a like a trip or a project or something yeah. and I don't know if you remember this but we actually applied for the the Yuck and Yum were doing a project where they were going to f- fund say four unique scenes over a year and we put in an idea for what eventually became Treehouse and it was going to be like some essays, some uh, some well not essays but like you know some writing and mm. um, some photos some stuff from comics some comics that we had drawn and I think we kind of got in touch with some of the kind of preliminary people like like Ewan for example I think Ewan and Fraser were going to be part of this at this point but actually it's quite the reason I'm bringing this up is because I feel like there's, there, there was this sort of like tipping point where it was art you know we made a comic as artists yeah. in the first well I certainly feel like I did um, you know, I was I'd just chosen to make a comic rather than you know a sculpture yeah. or a it was performance just the right medium for the, what we were trying yeah. to do. And and the thing that I was kind of I think we both said what we don't really want to encourage was like artist responses to the idea of comics and get a whole load of like constructions. Yeah, like yeah. you know what I mean. Like and you know that's fine actually. I'm I'm I actually really love that kind of stuff. Um, but I really wanted because I'd been I mean prior to us working together and then the trip that I because I think you'd done a lot of work outside I don't know if you've done any long trips particularly as artworks no not uh, like that I've done I've done stuff working out in the outdoors yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and did, I did that cycle journey and stuff but not oh yeah that's right yeah, uh, well, not, not any long term thing because I in 2010 I'd sort of like set out on my bike to work with some artists in the Netherlands and I cycled to the Netherlands and sort of like made stuff on route and made a video and you know it was very sort of like I called it a proposal 
Um, although pretentiously I called it actually enforced ill, which is Dutch for a proposal. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but uh, and it was round about that time, I think we'd been in contact about that in the US, you know, we were bouncing ideas off each other. And then when Colin, uh, your friend, our friend Colin, um, was supposed to go on that trip, but then I think he got a job in Ireland or something like that, or he was going something, doing something in Ireland. And you're like, well, I'm still going to do it if you want to join me. And I always think that that was like, you know, coincidence or something that it kind of led to all this. It was fortuitous. Yeah. Good but, night, please. but the, so it, anyway, with Tria, and then we just sort of started like, who, do we, who else do we know who's making comics? And I think some of the first people were Andy. I think, well, we knew Afro. We knew friends of ours who were artists or were, you know, we knew liked drawing or, or had already made comics of some form like uh, Ali Smith was mm -hmm. kind of he'd been doing lots of drawing and stuff which was kind of comic-like mm -hmm. uh, if not actual comics and just from being in the art community in Dundee we knew a lot of people I mean we knew the kind of folk that we might be interested in I don't know I think it was your suggestion of the anthology format and um, yeah. like what if we could just make a make a publication that mm -hmm. We could have all of our friends in basically as a way yeah. of showing, yeah, you know, rather than it just being the two of us, this is a way of, of, of making a really interesting publication, but yeah, yeah. showcasing other people's work as well. Yeah, as well. we're kind of almost like, um, what's the word, prompting people to make comics. You know what I mean, they were like already knew they would they wanted to, but yeah. maybe just didn't yeah, have yeah. The, out, the output for it, and um, so it's almost like we'll ask them and then if they if we ask them then they'll probably do it mm -hmm. you know and yeah, yeah i mean the first issue we had me and you david Kerr, mm -hmm. joe helfer and That's ali smith and andy heard nori mm -hmm. was there just seven of us eight eight um, sorry avril <laughs> uh, and yeah and for example andy neither of us knew andy um yeah but we knew uh other people knew him and then he for he just happened to have an exhibition at Tin Roof which was an exhibition of his comics mm -hmm. and, he, and they'd been web comics up to this point he had never done anything in print um Pandyland yeah that's the name of the web comic and he just you know he, we, we, he was living in Dundee so we just approached him at his exhibition and said do you fancy mm -hmm. this yeah uh, and then other people we'd known from art college or yeah. David you'd known from Glasgow yeah, yeah, yeah. you know David it was it was a very uh, sort of freeform start, I guess. We just met up in the pub and said, "Look, yeah. we didn't even have a name at that point. We we're just like, we want to make a comic. If you guys are interested, and, yeah. and everybody was." Yeah. Uh, and what then, you then you came up with the name. I was going to say, what made you come up with the name? Three house. Do you know what it was? Going, uh, <laughs> like, what the name was going to be? Yeah. This is like 30, 30 suggestions in. Honestly, like I think I remember sending you like every time I'd have an email open at work that would just be like title names. So like any word that came into my head or like any, I'd just go right, add it, add it, add it. And then Treehouse came out and I was like, ah, quite late actually. And then- I think you said tree, the Treehouse Collective. Yeah. Which was a nice image, but then we just thought, well, Treehouse yeah. works. And then it just sort of like, I mean, I, I, I quite like to say that probably I think this, starting this coincided as well with the projects that I'd started to do with communities and stuff like that and I, I was kind of you know I think one of the things that we forget is that we were trying to bring people together 
Yeah, that was, the main, um, that was the main purpose of it, wasn't it? And that's actually like, that still remains for me, because I, I, I don't remember the last ones I had stuff, and in fact it was 11, I think. But before that, I missed a few, quite a few yeah. uh, issues. But, you know, it was the, for me, the, the sort of people that I've met through it mm-hmm. is actually where a lot of the value lines. I mean, yeah. we, we, you know, part of, to, maybe this isn't really that interesting, but we didn't really want to edit or anything like that. It was just sort of like, here's a few pages, whatever you've made. Mm-hmm. Because, it, you know, I think you can start interfering with that too much and then it becomes quite agendered, if that's a word. But we were kind of like, whatever anyone's making, unless it's horrendously offensive or terrible. Just, I mean, like, but, the, but we did actually talk about this because we were like, see if we get some, or see if we, someone put something, because we got the Dropbox, you know, if someone puts something in the box and it's just absolute garbage, like terrible drawing, incomprehensible panel sequences. Yeah. And that was like... My, my definition of bad was never whether it was badly drawn or anything. It was just if it was like... Just had so little thought put into it. Somebody just tossed it off. I was like, yeah. oh, this will be funny. I'll yeah. just do a shit job. Yeah. Like, half arsed it. That would be the only time I'd ever done it. And we've never had anything like no, that. So we've never had to do that, which is great. And I mean, a lot of the time, I think you would just have addressed it yeah. by, you know, conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 the reason I like, I remember you sent me a few names and Treehouse stood out as a name. It just had that feel of like a sort of clubhouse. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. like, so oh, yeah, we'll, make, we'll, we'll build a treehouse and which is where we'll hang out and yeah. talk about comics. It works really well. I mean, the fact that you've got um, eight, sorry, eight people in the start it's, and then it just sort of works up from there. It is that kind of thing of like a bunch of pals together in a treehouse making comics. I, I've been waiting since 1987 at least for my dad to build me a treehouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> your dad never did it, but we did it. Cheers. Oh. <laughs> Although you weren't there to you weren't there to take advantage of it. We actually did literally build a treehouse in the tin roof for one of our launches. Yeah, you keep alluding to this. Which is uh, which was which was pretty crazy in hindsight, considering it was only up for a couple of days. <laughs> tin roofs, as we call it, had this basic acres of scrap wooden plies and all that sort of stuff and old pallets and for one of our launches. I think it was coincident. No, it was later than no, I think it was six. Because it was the one that uh, the printer fucked up and we didn't get the comics. Oh, we never did any comics. We didn't have any comics for the launch event, but we had an actual treehouse, which was. <laughs> that wasn't the same. Was it not? Oh, no, it was, yeah, maybe you're right. Then. Maybe I think it was, it was three. Was that the I first? think it was three because I remember we copied Ali's. Oh, you're right. We used yeah. Ali's drawn as cover right. as, a, as, a, as a. So number two's cover. We uh, used it as a model yes. right, for, okay. for the treehouse. That's uh, right. That's right. Oh, yeah. So the posters and the, the hatch and everything. Right. So we actually we recreated that with uh, inside the gallery space at Tin Roof with old pallets and plywood. Were you there right. for that, David? Yeah. Yeah. Was that the first one you were in? That's the first one I went to. Yeah. yeah. So that was good. Yeah, it was good. Didn't we have some kind of exhibition as well? Because I remember you had drawings in the wall. Yeah, we had pictures of from the the, the uh, people's original drawings. I think we had up on the walls. So yeah, the treehouse was always a kind of concept as a, just yeah. a sort of, we didn't want to dictate what people were creating, we just wanted to mm-hmm. see what they were making and have, yeah. a, have a venue for it to be shown. Yeah, yeah. so you don't, you don't stick to any sort of main theme or anything for each of the... Each no, of we the, tried it once. We tried it once, we tried a sort of Halloween theme and it never really worked because of the, the way that we make it, because we'll maybe say, right, 
guys, you know, whatever. It's uh, 23rd of March. After the 23rd of March, me and Neil are going to start putting this together. That's the kind of, like, attitude. Mm-hmm. And then we tried that with a theme for Halloween, to, and everybody had to do a Halloween comic before, like, you know, mm-hmm. before Halloween. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it was just, it ended up, I don't think it came out in time, and it was, then it was, it was like, Actually, it was a bit like going for like a works Christmas dinner after Christmas. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just doesn't work. No. So, and, and, you know, and the comics were good. You know, like, everybody had done good comics. Yeah, it was a really horror. Um, so, but yeah, it, it didn't... That was a wee foray into that. But You're still working on the comic. I'm still yeah. working on the comic. <laughs> that's the one... Three years later. That's the one where I, called, where I uh, did the Jack Kirby-type yeah. homage. Of me flying in the army, flying in space, bare naked. Can I ask a couple of questions? Yeah, yeah. go for it, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my first one is who or what are your influences? And the second one. <laughs> uh, a favorite comic or a comic that has left an impression in your life as an artist, as a reader, as a person? Okay. Can you go first? Um, no, you can. Influence. I don't. I don't know if I've got much comic influence outside of the comics that I just like. I just. I, I know the comics I like rather than the comics that have influenced me because I don't. I don't really consider myself a comics. Artists in, in in the main, it's more something I've done, like we were talking about earlier. In, in it's not the primary reason thing that I make, so I would say I, I've had an influence in, in that regard. It's more just being responding to uh, stories that I want to tell uh, and whatever style fits with that. But um, I don't know, current, current favorites. Uh, Dave and I were in the Lace Fest, um, and Stan Sakai was there, and he's probably. If not my favourite, probably one of my favourites. And Stuart was actually the one who introduced me to him as well. I remember just through talking about comics and his. Uh, it's just the. I don't know, just the craft that he puts into them are, is incredible. You know, it's uh, both storytelling wise and, and art wise. It's just. I can just read them forever. I suppose it's just the, the thing, the most. My most pleasurable comic reading experience is probably Staticides and Sagiyu Gimbo. Um, but I, I, I'm really interested in the sort of alternative comics, uh, underground comics, any kind of new stuff that's coming out as well, I try and keep an eye on it. Uh, I actually brought a comic along with me, which is by one of our Treehouse alumni. Terror from the other side, okay. Joni Dam, or John Adam as I know. Uh, he's, uh, he's been in Treehouse for the last... Uh, issue five or six or something um, and he's a good friend as well um, but he's recently put out this graphic novel um, this debut graphic novel uh, which is fantastic it's like a, kind of a hallucinatory trip uh, it's about this homeless guy who's uh, um, he's basically just trying to find shelter from a storm and he stumbles his way onto this boat uh, upon which strange things happen and once he meets the owner and the, it kind of evolves into quite a, quite a tense and strange experience. Uh, and the, the thing I like most about it is John's got quite an energetic art style at the best of times. Um, 
and it's as it, as the story starts, he's kind of reined in all of it. It's quite contained. Um, there's lots of mark making with it, the rain and everything. He's a lot of ink wash and stuff, which is nice. But then as the story devolves into chaos, his kind of art style devolves into well, it, it becomes a completely abstract at one point in the, in the story, and then works its way back into more realistic. But it's that uh, it's really impressive the way he's sort of allowed his uh, energetic drawing style to really explode with the narrative. Uh, um, yeah, it just, it just works wonderfully well. So yeah, it, it just came out. It launched with us when we had the, the recent pre-house launch, and I encourage anybody to pick it up because it's really good. And he's a local local creator. Anything we can do to, to support our, our treehouse pals is, you know, it's what we try and do. John's got a, Absolutely, yeah. John's got a really interesting style as well. And I've, mm. I mean, I've not seen that yeah. yet, but he's... Um, it's really, gets pretty yeah. wild as it goes on. See, that's... Nando, I don't know if you want to make that out. That's John's kind of one from Treehouse 7. Yes. Have you seen that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I believe I've seen something like that, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, well, there you go. That's my yeah. answer. You got anything to share? Um, <clears throat> yeah. It's an interesting question because I, I don't... I actually don't know if I really like comics that much. Um, <laughs> you know, because I... Yeah. I no, but, and I, I, I'm being slightly facetious, however. Um, what I'm meaning is I don't... The thing that I really like about comics is the stories, as in like, so the synchronicity between words and pictures, and I tend to either ignore or, you know, someone would have to be doing something really special like Chris Ware or, you know, um, like you're saying Stan Sakai, something like that that really stands out as a single, I, I probably do preference single authors actually um, within that. Um, I take a lot of my I probably take a lot more of my reference points from, ironically, probably when I'm trying to do a comic, I do a lot of reference points that are art, art references, but if I'm doing an art, it's usually that I'm picking like pop culture references or like computer games or something doing, like that. Doing an art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, I, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I can answer that particularly. I mean, comics that I'm reading right now, um, you know, I've I've just picked up uh, Will Eisner's um, autobiographical stories, and so I've just started reading that. But you know, a lot of the time when we've done the Treehouse podcast, that's one of the first sort of questions that we maybe use to get the conversation flowing. What comics have you been reading? Mm. And sometimes I've read, you know, fifty, other than the one that we're maybe going to discuss that particular week. And then sometimes I've not read anything for months and months. There's been times when you've gone to a big spurt of just downloading comics on your yeah. iPad and reading old back issues of, mm -hmm. of whatever and yeah. sort of tangentially related to what we've talked about, but yeah. sometimes just going off on your own sort of... I mean, when I was growing up, when I was growing up, my dad actually worked for DC Thompson and as a fan driver, uh, truck driver, sorry. And so, you know, I used to get every week a solid dose of... The Beano and Dandy and <clears throat> even the bees on top of because I'm, I'm kind of that age. And, um, you know, so I grew up with that and always liked comics. You know, I had the Turtles comics as well, um, the American ones and the Archie. Well, I know they're American as well, but, you know, the, the animated cartoon ones as well as the... Fleetway, I think, the Fleetway reprints. I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when I was at school, 
it was, you know, Spider-Man and the X-Men and Age of Apocalypse and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of got out of it um, for a long time. And it was actually when I started working after um, being at art school as a fan driver, I started to just kind of pick up the, the collected trade paperbacks of Yusai Yojimbo and, um, you know, Ultimate X-Men or something like that. Like these kind of things that, because I always find that the Marvel DC stuff quite inaccessible for a number of reasons. But, you know, I like Joe Sacco and Chris Ware and... Um, You've kind of introduced me to a lot of the sort of, not the mainstream superhero comics, but it's kind of the stuff that sits alongside it. Like, I remember you showed me those Astro City comics, oh, yeah, yeah. Say, like, yeah. which were great. And that always seemed to be the kind of stuff you were interested in, the sort yeah. of slightly off. Yeah. But still, within that kind of genre, like you've read The Walking Dead and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, stuff yeah. Like, that, like Things that are... I guess still part, people would still look at it and recognise it as comics, but yeah. there's oftentimes something else going on with them as well. In terms of drawing style, you know, I'm, I fluctuate. I mean, to be honest, I've not. This, this, I always feel a little bit imposter syndrome when talking about comics because I've not really made that many. You know, I've made maybe 10. And, you know, drawings, I've moved away from. When I went to art school, I moved away from drawing. Um, I don't really know why. But I always did draw. And it was only when we started making comics before that I sort of felt un <clears throat> excuse me, unself-conscious about it. And what I mean by that is like there was no um, art aspiration of the individual drawing. It was drawn to communicate something. So, you know, there's no art, you know, not that there's no art value in drawing the facade of a tenement house particularly, but I needed to draw that specific tenement house for something I drew last year. So I drew it and then I needed to draw something from the Mario Brothers, so I draw, I drew Mario and Luigi and so on. And, you know, so I, I found my re-engagement with drawing has been very um, intuitive. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's like natural. Mm -hmm. um, there's no pretension. I don't, I personally don't feel like I'm, I'm not drawing for the sheer beauty of the drawing. I'm drawing to communicate something. Yeah, I think David and I were talking about this recently, it's like the interest in drawing in comics for us, I think you were saying this, David, was like drawing as much as is necessary to communicate what you're, what you're trying to do, but not drawing more than is necessary just to show off. You yeah. said something like, I can't remember what it was, it was in that Facebook conversation, yeah. and you're like, yeah. if you want to draw a good, nice picture, just... Yeah, go and draw a nice picture. Yeah, draw a picture. Tell a story, that's the main thing. Yeah, exactly. So I guess that, that seemed to be kind of what you're saying, it's like an economy yeah. of drawing where... Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I'm totally in love with any line clear stuff. Um, um, I love artists that are messy, like Raymond Pettibon, and even even drawings like Van Gogh's ink drawings are just exquisite pieces of, you know, um, observational drawing. They're, they're just stunning pieces in themselves, and actually they wouldn't look out of place, and and as like backdrops in a comic or as mm -hmm. the focal point. Um, obviously, like you know, I, I've read a lot. Of, I've read a lot of comics, a lot of good and a lot of bad, but. I don't know to what extent they really influence me. I'm probably more interested in stand-up comedy <laughs> in the sense of like how that, how people would write. I'm interested in the relationship between writing and speaking. So I've just had, I've, I did an MFA last year and I had to write a lot of stuff as part of it. And I feel like one of the things that really helped me to do is to find that voice where I was actually either 
writing that I writing something that I could speak, or I was writing the way that I spoke. I don't know which way about it was, although they end in the same thing. But you know, I'm interested in that, and then I'm interested in how you adapt that into a pictorial narrative thing. I mean, I recently actually messaged David um, to tell him about a comic that I'd made, and it was a performance comic that I'd uh, done with Decap and Damon Heard. And I really like that. I really love that stuff because it's it's vital and vibrant, and and it's exciting. And I love speaking and I love telling stories. And so I found I've actually found myself not being that bothered about them ending up in print. You know, it's it's partly performing it a wee bit as well. But you know, we've all I think we've all been at a decap. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like, there's loads of different ways that people do decaps or you know other. Like they say in the BBC, other types of performance um, <laughs> things are available. However, um, Damon's event has been the one that I've been at. And even the very first one, which I think was one of the first times I met you, David, was I was trying to... I took the piss a wee bit out of Damon because I, was, I had a story coming up on Thought Bubbles behind me. And then I had a story that I was telling in real life. And I'm really interested in how you can do that. I'm interested in how comics do that anyway. You know, you can tell a lot of visual... I mean, this is all really basic stuff, obviously, but you can tell a lot of story with the visuals as well as telling story with the language. And then when you add the third dimension or the fourth dimension of the performance into it. But recently I, I ended up... I made this comic at DCAP or for DCAP about a guy who'd written a letter to a local paper um, and he was from Droitwich. And when was that, like 2015, that that story was in the paper and then that was February 2016, I think. No, maybe 17, that, that, was in, that we did that decap. And then a couple of months, maybe a month and a bit ago, I was actually, I went to Droitwich. It's difficult for me to just answer one question with one answer that only relates to that one thing that you just asked me. Because everything is so connected. Yeah. And it's almost like that comic is still ongoing yeah, because you're, yeah. you're still responding to it. Mm -hmm. uh, that first decal that, that you did was brilliant. <laughs> you know, not to go over the top, but I remember sitting, and I didn't know you, that's mm -hmm. right, and you had a kettle. Aye. And it was all about how you were going to boil this kettle. Yeah, there was a sort of threat running through yes, the whole performance right. I remember you were threatening your that I was going to stand and boil the kettle for yes. the amount of time that, that took the kettle to boil. And the story I was telling was that um, something to do with um, boiling a kettle in my kitchen at the time. And what had happened is it was a stovetop kettle and I used to put it on and then go back to my room and work on something. And then I'd go... Shit, I left the kettle on and I'd run through and there was one time I ran through and it was all melting. There was like <laughs> it was like spurting off and there was boiling water coming out of it and everything. Where did you pick up the kettle yeah, the with no that? handle? <laughs> and so the, the whole story was about how I would stand in the kitchen while the kettle boiled and the joke being, you know, a watch pot never boils. And then I'd made this found comic, you know, because you know you get a lot of things that are described to you how to make a pizza on the back of the pizza box. It's a comic how you make the pizza. And I was kind of interested in that for a while. Mm -hmm. And so um, there was one that I put in the first treehouse. It was about tea bags and making a thing of tea. And the very last thing I did, this is really like why am I talking about this? Why I'm talking about this? So I did. 
but the whole thing was <laughs> on the comic it said five boil the kettle pour the water on and then wait five to seven minutes and I remember afterwards because that, that sort of threat all the way through the thing was happening I remember uh, David sent me a message afterwards and he said I enjoyed uh, what you'd done there and all that sort of stuff and he said and I really I liked your willingness to threaten the audience <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like you know there is that sort of tension I, I think a lot of the time what was really good and what sticks in my mind was you were standing telling the audience things and there was a, the slides behind you your, your panels were your thoughts mm -hmm. it wasn't what you were saying mm -hmm. so you were saying like you know I'm going to boil this kettle and the, the thought bubble was what the hell am I doing here I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. yeah I remember one of them was um, I don't at the beginning I was like I've never done a performance comic before and it came up and it said I don't even know what a performance comic is and then I was like but I, the minute I started thinking about it then the next one comes up it says something else and then it was then it was like the next one said, um, is it just something Damon made up to get funding for his PhD? Yeah. And then I sort of let that one sit for a wee while. And I think I kind of knew Damon a wee bit by then, yeah. but I still thought, have I done, have I, have I, have I burned this bridge by, but, you know, but Damon, Damon enjoyed it, I think. Yeah. It's funny, the, 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 um, the link between what you do in stand-up, because obviously at our college, what you were doing had a... Had a Quite a, a strong link to stand up, but I remember your, one of your first comics you did about the joke. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and the way you'd drawn it was just like a, a stand up on stage, but with flashes away to. I think to describe what you what, what to show what you were describing, but it always just seemed to me like it was you on a stage telling the story, which is about how shit another joke is. Yeah, and the punchline <laughs> is it's not even a punchline, but it was. The funny thing about that is that we're talking about these right now. The, the drawings I did for that comic and for that decap were really crap. They were like <laughs> pencils, just done like as quick as possible. But you know, obviously we're talking about that thing. But just in case anyone's getting the impression that there's some like that these things are profound, they're not profound. We we're just friends and overanalyzing. Them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, that one that actually did bother me, and that was a story that I used to tell. Um, I used to do a lot of like spoken word type performances I guess you would call it and I think what happened was at art school I got really irritated because I felt like art school we spent a lot of time talking about art instead of doing it mm. and then I realised actually that I was being like hostile and that doing that was actually the process of the artwork yeah. and a lot of the conversations led to the things that would eventually be made such as the boat or the you know, you did a painting of flowers and um, or that we found all the footballs and we made that thing, um, like the Jeff Coons reference. And so there was all, like, all of it's born from conversation, I think. But, yeah, I used to go and tell these kind of, like, little snapshots, these wee five-minute, four or five-minute sections. And that joke, that, I mean, the joke just used to really annoy me because everybody thought it was funny. You know, people laugh at, at a moment when they're supposed to laugh. And that's what was happening with this joke. The joke was, what's the difference between a giraffe and a JCB? And then the guy was like, one's got hydraulics, the other's high bollocks. And I just don't think it was funny. Right. And the other thing that I thought about it, he actually said, oh, he thinks it's funny. <laughs> There's always one that thinks it's funny and then you've got to do like a, you've got to do a wee detour to, to not make them feel like a total outsider. <laughs>
<laughs> Even though they're, they're, they're on the Skype. Don't worry, Nando, <laughs> I'm smirking as well. <laughs> but the thing was... I want to get The guy said, he said, um, it's like that old joke. And I was like, that isn't even an old joke. You know, an old joke is like, why did the chicken cross the road? That's the structure of an old joke. Yeah. But the thing that was, the, the thing that really stuck with me is that I just was like, th there has to be something in common mm -hmm. with two things for you to make a joke about yeah. the differences what's between the, them. What's the difference? Yeah, and the, the one, the, 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 example, the example that I used was, what's the difference between a Rangers fan and a Celtic fan? And it was at the time when Rangers had been relegated and gone bust and all that. And, and it was like, one supports a crap team in a crap division, and the other one's a Rangers fan. Is that the right way down? <laughs> <laughs> Do you see what I mean? To try and imply that Celtic playing in the Premier League yeah, yeah, were yeah. crap in a crap team. But, so there has to be some kind of commonality. They both support teams in Glasgow. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. So then I was like, what's the difference? To, what is the difference between a JCB and a, and a Giraffe? And I was like, One's a JCB, <laughs> <laughs> and the other one's oh, a yeah. <laughs> That's the, you know what I mean. That is the difference. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. Your influence is uh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope we answered your question. I know that was uh, neither of us really had uh, had much to say that was relevant, but hopefully it was interesting. Yeah, that actually was quite interesting, and also the origin of the. The tree house and how you collaborate together. That's not a road trip. Yeah. But on a boat, yeah. on a canal, <laughs> but see that that sort of you know, that, that's yeah. how you build an up a relationship yeah. on our experience. And that, that was that was very good as well. I think both uh, Stuart, yeah. oh, sorry, I was gonna say both Stuart and I kind of we haven't done any big projects like that together since, but that's really been because we've sort of both had it, our lives carrying on doing whatever but we've also just felt like Treehouse has been the ongoing collaborative thing that we've got together that we can yeah. discuss and talk about and, and it's also involved everybody else that like David and Mike they're now involved in it. Yeah absolutely. And yeah. So it's kind of sustained that collaborative part of our friendship and our art practice um, while we've both been living you know in different parts of the country or whatever we haven't been able to do an actual uh, sustained project like those other ones is kind of kept that thing going between us which is <coughs> I think important to both of us. But how many times do I text you or whatever and just be like when are you going to stop getting married and stop doing all that stuff you're doing so we, so we can do another, another project or whatever you have a life. But you know it's not it's not what for me either I'm just I'm just telling myself but, yeah. um, it's true. But I think that actually the you know the comic or the treehouse um, stuff leading into coming together with everyone. I mean, it, the way that it's led into it's been become a community project in a sense, like mm -hmm. to incorporate people like David. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't know you really if it wasn't for this. Mm -hmm. um, and then the the act, then roads that that gave us into what was already happening here. Because let's not forget those an awful lot of stuff going on here with the university. And yeah, I think we started at a, a, quite a, a good time, but it was quite fortuitous timing. We didn't, weren't aware of it, but like the comics course at the university had just kind of, yeah. I think it'd been on for a couple of years, maybe one year, two yeah. years, because Nori was one of the first people to do it. Yeah. Mm. He was in Treehouse and, you know, Chris Murray and, and Damon and all these guys were sort of generating this comics community in Dundee. Um, 
and we, we were just starting around the same time as well. We just all kind of fed into each other. And then David, you were obviously been doing comics in Dundee for 200 years. So, yeah. Since <laughs> 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 so the first egg was Fred. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, there, there just seemed to be a, a, a kind of upswell of comics activity in Dundee around that time, 2013. Uh, yeah. uh, and we were kind of managed to get in on that, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also feel like since that happened and you know the small part we played in it there's also been a Treehouse doesn't have to really do the thing that we set out to do in the first place which was provide a platform because there's more platforms for people to do that now yeah more people more yeah. people doing it and it's just it's not such a novelty to have a comic like this coming out so that's quite nice as well because I mean it frees us up to, to maybe think about other stuff that yeah. we want to do with it. I mean I think when we started we seen it as like still part of the art stuff that was happening in Dundee, but I think that quite rapidly diverged. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, actually, I have a lot of conflicting feelings about that, in fact, because, you know, I, I don't exclusively work in comics and I don't um, think about them all the time. And, and I know that for a lot of people who do make comics, they work exclusively on comics. Yeah, yeah. And the form really dictates um, the... Not the f- and you know the the medium is what they're working on, so they they make their ideas fit that or it fits naturally whatever balance it is. But you know I'm, I'm I've also I've got a lot of skepticism personally about about the various audiences that I have to engage with, and that, and I think it's I, I don't mean the, I'm skeptical about the comics audience. I mean I'm skeptical about art audience. I'm skeptical about general public audience. Mm. You know I've had a lot of random run-ins because I'm usually doing something in a gallery or you know when I've done an exhibition I sometimes I'm in the gallery and so you've got to deal with people who walk yeah. into the space and sometimes they're like super art type people who want to speak like that and grill you like that and then you've got to switch that on for a moment and then the next person is just like the mum of another student at the college who happens to be at the show or whatever. And so... You well, know, the person that's actively looking to, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to discredit what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To win them over. Yeah. Or not. And so, I, the way that... I think I made the decision quite a long time ago regarding that to maybe just sort of think, you know, does my mum get it? Or, you know, like, does my dad like it? You know, not that I'm trying to please my parents in any way with what I do, but I feel like... It, there's a lot of alienation can happen when someone gets very involved with their audience because they sort of start to exclude. Does that make sense? I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's always the case, but what I mean is like people who focus only on an art audience can exclude almost everyone else. Yeah. yeah. If you're making something for a particular audience, then obviously that's going to work for them. But yeah. isn't it? Like you say, exclude, exclude other people. And I've, I really believe that um, art, art in all its forms is relative to people's lives and I think that that's actually the one thing that people think it isn't you know so whether it mm-hmm. happens to be theatre or dance or even music or comics or mm-hmm. pretentious you know academic art or um, you know beautiful formal painting mm-hmm. you know that people think that's not relevant to their life or that it's another but certainly where I come from and where I've come from that would be like the prevailing view so I feel like I've probably got a little bit of a hang-up about that, maybe. Mm. You know, I, I, I think I've tried to... I don't, I don't know, I'm just worry, I worry about the audience. <laughs> I think that's a good way of it. Do you know what I mean? Do you worry about the audience for Treehouse? I worry... N- no, yes and no. I mean, so 
I'm looking at issue 12 here. Yeah. And it's got Craig's, Craig White's drawn in the front. And, you know, I, I think that there are certain... You know, it's like what we said. We, were, we went for a, a quick cup of tea before we came here. This is the newest one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we were just sort of talking about um, manga. And I said that it's visually it's something that I've quite often struggled to get over. Somehow, you know, I've read a few things, but sometimes the drawing and something can um, really turn me off. But it's usually just a sort of, that's my own projection, you know. And I just, so to answer your question really, is what I'm saying is that I think that there are some, possibly some people who wouldn't look at a comic, take it seriously as its historic precedent or that, from an art point of view. But I also think that there are people from a comic point of view who are hostile and agitated by the position of comics within the art mm-hmm. world and I kind of feel like it's like my worry about it is that on that level not on the I drew a comic and look at that's Mike's comic and that's David's comic I'm not embarrassed about it or, do you know what I mean like oh that's a sci-fi comic about dinosaurs or something you know I'm not that. I don't care about that kind of thing I think it's on this structural higher up level where I just feel like you know there, there was a lot of conversation about comics as art last, last year in particular yeah. um, in Dundee and and I know that you know one of the big exhibitions was the Quietly one at Frank Quietly one mm-hmm. at um, Kelvin Grove and I spoke with Damon a little bit about this because I, I kind of felt like it was a museum show about his life mm-hmm. and he happened to be a comic maker do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The fact that he was from and from Glasgow, Glasgow seemed to be the prevailing yeah. interest behind mm. it. You know. And he happened to make Superman and Batman yeah, comics yeah, yeah. for like just normal yeah. person going into the Kelvin mm. Grove to see the Spitfire. Mm. Do you know what I mean? In the Haggis. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like you know the, there's a general interest there that has been and and you know and I don't obviously the the curation of that is considered in other aspects of it, mm-hmm. you know, clearly. But I feel like when you just take, you know, if you just take, like, it's like you're talking about this virtuoso drawing type thing. So maybe in these comic art shows that you see, it's got, like, the best panel blown up and printed. Mm. But the actual art for me in comics is that synchronicity between visual, story, immersion. It's like, and even the form of the book itself yeah, as well. Yeah, like, you know, thinking about Chris Ware and you're picking up a wee postcard or a poster or the fold-out bit and you're turning it over. Like, all of that is part of the, you know, the thing. And it, for me, look, for me, reading generally is sort of, you know, it's a physical experience. Yeah. Um, it's like being in, I'm in a space, I'm in my bed, I'm on the easy chair, whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like that, it, it's almost sculptural in a way. But then that's just moment. Projection. In terms of like putting together a treehouse, it's quite. I guess we could talk about that a little bit because for the first six issues, I think it was, I kind of took over the editing for one of a better word, which is basically just choosing the order that they go in. Uh, and like, I sort of the layout of it, we've kind of organically come together like this sort of contents page. We've yeah. kind of stuck with the same thing, mm-hmm. this sort of unifying across the whole uh, series, but. Can I just interrupt you a moment? I want to point out that I did make a change in this one. 
and it was to do it in order. I don't know if you noticed, because in the past ones we've only had person and maybe we yeah. split it. I yeah. did that as well, but this one is in order. So you've got multiple ones. So, yeah. because <clears throat> we did have some feedback about this that, Be confusing. that it was possibly confusing to yeah. That we weren't doing people a service by, by maybe they've got two comments and we put like Don't split it. Yeah. Uh -huh. You've got, do you mean you've got hunters in this? <laughs> <laughs> so like one, two, four. So we'd have to put four of you in there. So yeah, uh, right. I get you. Anyway, that yeah, so I just wanted to clarify. It's unofficially now known as David Robertson's treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's slowly subsuming us into the Fred Eggs empire. Comics making machines. Yeah, super friends. <laughs> anyway, my my the point I was trying to get to was that um, putting it together, both of us now Stuart's sort of taking over this, the putting it together of it, um, but. We just kind of talk to, to each other about it, but in terms of thinking about the audience, it's mostly just about legibility, I think. And yeah. How it hangs together as a, as a because it's such disparate styles. The only uh, visual um, thing that we've asked people to stick to is to have it black and white, which is yeah, partially yeah, yeah. a cost thing, but it's also a way of of keeping it. Um, not be jarring because you know even if you have a limited color palette everybody uses color in such radically different ways yeah. that having it just black and white means that we can somebody can flick through this and not be completely overwhelmed by the the, the visual noise if you know what i mean because everybody's style so different i think it helps make your covers stand out more as well yeah like you, you're going you're going through all this sort of grayscale of the black and white the entire way through but you've got those really striking mm -hmm front and back covers, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's also, uh, you know, there's, there's precedent for underground comics. Yeah, 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 yeah. That have a black and white, it's kind of part of that culture, mm -hmm. I think. Um, Quite often we've, we've also used, because, oops, sorry, because the inside and outside cover is printed in colour, mm -hmm. we've also tried to use the back cover to have the colour comics as well. Mm -hmm. We've had a couple from you, David. Yeah. So yeah, the, the kind of construction of the comic has been an evolving thing as it's going on. I feel like we've kind of got a bit of a visual style that, yeah. you know, it's different for every issue. But um, I think we've kind of, Stuart and I haven't had much chance to talk about the future of it, but we kind of feel like now we've reached issue 12, it's quite an interesting point to, to maybe depart from the style of the comic. Right. Not depart from Treehouse, but depart from, we've done 12 issues of this American Standard floppy Mm -hmm. Comic just we just chose it because it was the I because of the visual because yeah. it speaks comic it's you know, A5 yeah, 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 totally, yeah. A5 says book to me yeah, yeah so but now we're kind of I think we've reached the point where we'd quite like to maybe experiment with some different styles of okay. book or different uh, printing methods and things like that because yeah. there's nothing tying us to this and I think we've done it service by doing 12 issues at this yeah. point over the maybe five years with, with that in mind then would you ever think about taking the books and putting them in, like up the 12 volumes and putting them together, or six and six, or whatever. Yeah, we have. <coughs> yeah, I've actually got an InDesign file oh, really? at the moment with the first three in it. Yeah. Right, okay. I've just been kind of working through it. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've, I, you know, you know, you just do these things as drafts and things mm -hmm. anyway, but, you know, I think we kind of said that we would do that. The trade paperback kind yeah. of style. Um, just as a way of bringing it all together, because some of the issues are out of print and are sold out and all that. And yeah. Almost as a, a document of that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, on, my on the folders I've got on the computer, there's lots of photographs from the events, lots of 
other things that we've done. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems like maybe bringing it at issue 12, drawing a line under it to say, this is what it's been so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's now, we don't forget, I mean, this was like 2012 that we really started to galvanize, and it was like, I think we met as a big group, maybe five or six of us met in June or July 2013, mm-hmm. and then November. So, excuse me. So it's been, you know, it's for me, it's probably the longest running project I've done, <laughs> you know, um, and that naturally, after you start to get a history for yourself, you start to mm. reflect on it. Mm-hmm. Just quickly, folks, are you okay for time and everything? Yeah, else? just, I, I just, um, yeah, oh. yeah, I was about to interrupt, so I'm going to have to go. Oh. Uh, yeah, sure. Nice to meet you. Very much to you. Thank you so much. No worries. Uh, Come again, See you next week. See you next week. Bye. 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 Came up, launch of new comic in Dundee tonight, Treehouse. And I thought, what the hell is this? <laughs> and I hadn't heard a thing about it yeah. at all. And that was quite unusual to hear about the launch of a new comic. Yeah, <laughs> we got in Dundee in a pub tonight. Yeah, in the f- beginning, the first yeah. four or five issues, STV were on it quite a lot. Yeah, you know, they seemed quite interested. But then, you know, that so maybe that it would maybe have been well. I. I remember speaking to maybe Damon about it, or a few people, and certainly Damon said, oh, well, I'm going to, I've got the first comic, or maybe the first two, I've got them. Oh, no, he says something, I'll get it for you. I went, okay, great. But then he, he didn't get it for <laughs> <laughs> So you took matters into your own hands. Yeah, well, I was in the bookshop in town, and I saw number two, Maybe one and two, and I, and I just was looking through it, going, Look, here's this treehouse so comic. Like, what the hell? Yeah. It should be in this. I thought to myself, You know, I want to be in this. No, it should be. I want it to be in it, right? So. <laughs> so I watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. And inside, as you know, you've got your email. So I just, I'm going to go home and email them. Even though I don't know any of the people in this, anybody running it or anything, I'm going to email them and say hello. You want comics from me. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's just, as you know, what happened. You was, yeah, you were the, the first person to kind of reach out to yeah. us, which is, which is good. Yeah. I think, and we, then, I think and we, then, we looked at your website and like, thought, who the hell is this guy? Right. <laughs> it's comics from the same. And we were like, all right, we'll give him a shot. <laughs> I have to, I'm going to, I don't know, I've probably told you this before anyway, um, but after I met you, Everything about all the comics you made, you made, made sense to me. It's true. You kind of clicked that. Do you know what I mean? Like until then, I was like, "This is insane." <laughs> and, I mean, actually, how many times have I said to you that my favorite comic of all time is that Concord one? Like, yeah, just it's so good. Um, it's just the the face, <laughs> honestly, the face that you've drawn. And, wow, it's just incredible. <laughs> you know, yeah, and uh, and yes. almost I like to remember when you did, yeah, and when you did those ones, um, like the thirty days one. What's that called? That thing that people do? Oh, yeah, October. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was two. There was one where you'd been in a bus or something, and somebody had bad breath. Yeah, in the back of the car. Yeah, yeah. We we were 
gotten ourselves at that. <laughs> and then the other one I think you've done that I really liked. Well, I, I do know what. It was pencil case and oh, yeah. you know, pencil case. Yeah. I really Nice. I feel like you're so prolific with everything that um you know, you cover such a wide range of like fictional stuff, observational stuff, um like histo- you know, the historical stuff even, you know, and I think mm. that you know, you've you've certainly built an oeuvre. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, like you were saying earlier, just the the sort of meet, meeting people and getting to know people yeah. wouldn't have necessarily That's been the guy has been the most uh, um, rewarding part of, of yeah. the more than any of the individual issues of that just the kind of care that they're sure going on the way away, away trips to the conventions and stuff like that but that's telling in the sorry to go back to your decap again mm-hmm. but you standing there the kettle boiling you you telling the audience what was going on with this kettle and your thought bubbles and and that and there was no comic there to print. Yeah. That was that event. Yeah. <laughs> so that ties in with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You don't care about... No, I don't. I, d- I do. I do, yeah, actually. Yeah, but it's not your main... Well, I think... I mean, you can just trace an easy line. I mean, look at what I just did there in that show at Duncan with Jordanston. It was basically a PowerPoint with a slide every 10 seconds and I had a wee story that went 10 seconds and it was eight minutes long. You know, that's just... That's like probably a natural development from what I did way back with a few mm-hmm. influences around the way of the other things I've done. You're never comfortable tying yourself down to something <clears throat> that's static, I think, like a particular format. You know, you've made books, you've made comics, whatever, but you're always kind of Just finding a way to, to, to make it uh, a live conversation. It mm-hmm. seems to be your ultimate goal with stuff like that. Whatever artwork you're making, you kind of want to be there to yeah. discuss it at the same time. So, yeah. what has been it since being in it and getting to know you? What was always interesting was that you two guys weren't even like comics guys wanting to make comics for you. <laughs> you were making comics, you were artists, mm-hmm. your, your point of view, and even the way you've been talking tonight, it's, it's very interesting, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not like, uh, oh, I love Frank Miller, you know, so you draw a load of pictures <laughs> of ninjas, you know. Yeah, I think Crappy versions of uh, bloody... I think we're actually being quite, <laughs> no, being quite conscious of it because that, there's just so much of that in comics that yeah, you know, yeah, we're aware of it, yeah. so why do another one of those? Like, yeah, because there's make, plenty of Yeah, that. we want to make something that's that we're interested in as well as everybody else that's in it. So we've never turned somebody away from doing genre. Exactly, it's yeah. kind of naturally come to the point where everybody that, that's stuck with us Works in that kind of mode where they're they're not they're not aping something they're kind of doing their their own thing which is kind of nice for us because we don't have yeah. to say to say to somebody like this as a project if this was a project yeah yeah if this was a project to me it's not a, you know it's the it would be the collecting of people the putting people together in touch or however that happens organically and um, you know because I'm not really into the idea that somehow some sort of overlord that's <laughs> mastermind and all this it's like you know somebody you emailed in uh, Ali was like oh I know this person and mm-hmm. you know and uh, Andy was like oh Avril and blah blah yeah. blah and it just go, and then Nori and Rebecca and you know it's like people come and go and to me it, it was about just 
people are making comics in Dundee, but I never see them in any book mm-hmm. form. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just make that what we do? And then we'll bring it up, somehow try and... Yeah. Just providing a structure more than anything, yeah. I think. Yeah. Saying like, oh, we're going to have a book. You guys can be in it, but it's our book. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and we've never been interested in just having open submissions. Yeah. Because then you lose that aspect of which you just talked about, yeah, which yeah. is the yeah. community. Because then you're just almost the the, the the relationship changes where you're putting books out and people are seeing you as just an outlet for their stuff, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that, but it's just not something that mm-hmm. I'm going to spend my time doing most year. Yeah, yeah. And actually, that leads on to, a, sorry Neil, that leads on to a lateral thing with us because the way that we print it, it, it was also like, actually, for me and you to make a comic together, we're going to have to produce 16 pages, say, each, which at the time when we did it, we maybe thought, oh, that's going to take us months, you know, years. And then, it's going to be like, we're going to have to split the costs, £200 between us, you know what I mean, of printing 100 of them, and then it's just going to be me, people who are interested in me and you to, you know, from a purely practical point of view, the way that we structure this isn't, as you say, that kind of idea of take submissions, pay for the submissions, because there's a lot of comics out there where the model is, um, you know, we'll pay you 50 quid for your submission or whatever, but because it's, I've always seen it as a collective and um, and we sort of like are banding together to bring the costs down, make the network of our own. It's never really, I remember, in fact, do you remember this? Because I remember forwarding an email. Someone just sent an email in being like, please, you know, I don't even think I said please. It was just like, here's my comic, um, what's your rate, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and, I, and there was a little bit of a loss in translation type thing. But I was like, I needed to sign out of the email because I was going to write back really cheeky <laughs> because it was like don't know who you are don't know where you even come from your email address was incomplete it was like numbers and stuff you know it was just like a, I was just raging because I feel like you know I don't you, I don't have to like you particularly for you to be in Treehouse you know because I, I don't really like Neil but um, <laughs> the, we seem to be stuck with each other but the you know, I feel like the, you know, it, it was more about, do you know someone who's, you know, who's working, doing some comics, mm-hmm. didn't want to be part of it, mm-hmm. you know, and... Yeah, I mean, Mikey, you came to us through David, so, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. see for that idea. I kind of feel that I'm not competing with anyone with my, uh, my sort of stories, uh, <laughs> and you've got such a diverse range that... You're not going to get, say, if, if somebody had the idea of doing uh, Western, like, cowboy comics, if someone had an idea of doing that, chances are you won't find someone else with the yeah. same idea. Or if you had one with 1920s gangsters, you can safely say, well, chances are there might not be someone else doing that in there, uh, because you've got so many Even different... if we did an issue when everybody did a story about 1920s gangsters, it was, they would still be completely different. Yeah. The, every every individual in Judaism has got such a different take I, on I, comics. I think on I think when we went to the uh, opening in Forbidden Planet, I, I don't know who it was, but someone mentioned my style was. Um, that was last week, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, um, but I'm not sure who said. I'm not sure if it was a couple of people or not. Said my style was different, and uh, they were asking what sort of uh, methods I use, and I said, 
I just buy ink uh, pens from uh, <laughs> from the range or, or from um, uh, from the art stores and just uh, like various different sizes. So I don't use a brush. Mm-hmm. I just get um, uh, like what the the animators used to do on uh, on their uh, uh, animation sheets. They would get blue pencil, faint blue pencil, and I would just like draw away um, like an outline, and then I just colour an ink, and then just put all the extra bits in there. Mm-hmm. So if there's something with scars, I won't actually put that in the pencil, but I'll just add it on as I'm doing on the, as I'm doing the ink. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very rarely will I ever feel the need to use uh, Tipex, and it's only really been for uh, writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the latest story I sent in had a, a, a spelling mistake, <laughs> uh, two spelling mistakes on the same page. Uh, which I will uh, sort out and uh, resend. Well, it this time. If you do it again, then you'll have to But I've never had to go over anything, uh, any drawing with uh, Tipex. I usually, I usually just work around it. Uh, but the thing that takes me the longest is the panels. Mm-hmm. Drawing the panels and measuring them out. And do that by pencil first and then ink. Um, and I always use the same ruler as well. Uh, <laughs> size-wise, it seems to work. But um, that can take me sometimes longer than doing the actual drawings itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do a lot of panels on a page, and, and it's mm. very varied. Every, yeah. every page, you're, you've not really got a set grid that you're working on. I remember, um, actually, I, I don't know if I spoke to you about this, but you, you came and said you're in that treehouse, and I was like, yeah, I do comics, and I'm like, oh great, yeah, you want to see them, you said, yeah, I'll bring them, and then you brought them, and I was looking, and I'm like, yeah, nice dinosaurs, and all that, <laughs> and then you were like, oh good, well, do you think you can use them, you said, and I thought, he thinks that, he thinks I'm the boss, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the time but, you would yeah, be wearing you that suit, that, suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you came to the Duncan's uh, <laughs> comic, comics dress in the waistcoat, <laughs> sure, yeah, Smart trousers and go right to do decaps. So I'd be very yeah. smart. Oh, this yeah. guy looks like the boss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm never going. Um, it's not the bank manager. manager. <laughs> <laughs> you need to email it to Tea House. That smoking a big cigar at the time. <laughs> Executive who had a bowler cap as well. Yeah, did, did you not bring a suitcase? Or? No, it's someone else I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the good thing about this sort of Dundee comics scene, I think, because it's, I mean, and with the artists, it's so small that you just, eventually you just get to know everybody. Yeah, you kind of stumble into each other and find mm-hmm. each other yeah. inadvertently. It's nice. And then it's like wee bits here and there that people know about other things that are going on in Dundee, and you just kind of speak about it amongst each other. Yeah. Pretty good. He's finding that David's involved in all of it. Finger in every pie. <laughs> I'm always trying to get involved. <laughs> Some people don't want you, know. I'm always trying to get the pies. <laughs> I was, it, was such a hard, it was such a hard concept to understand that you did comics when I first met you. Because I, could, I still couldn't process that people were doing comics just like even on a small scale and putting them out as well. Mm. It took me a wee while to get around to it. So when you said you were doing them, like you did them on your own, and you you'd done a couple in Treehouse as well, mm-hmm. I could couldn't get it at all. Right. Couldn't, you couldn't come around to it. I'm like, so who, like, how much do you pay? Who who pays right. you? I don't yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand. Yeah, which corporation has it? Yeah, I just yeah. couldn't come around to it at all. And it just takes that wee while to be like, oh, people just do this like yeah. for for fun. This is you know this is this mm-hmm. is what people do. In their spare time, this is what they do when they mm-hmm. when they want to just create something, yeah. and it, you know it's 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 getting that 
But you've really t- taken to it. Oh yeah, since you've found out about that mm-hmm. psychic comics. Yeah. Right. That's, um, that's, that's, that's one of your main interests now, really. That's all I looked at now, yeah, yeah. small press stuff now. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the big stuff is just, like you were saying earlier, it's just too hard to kind of, you can't really get onto it at all. It's just it's it. No, you know what I mean? No. Like, there's so many varied stories that come out of small press stuff that it's... And there's so many people already talking about the the big two and all the, you know, Image and all these kind of guys. Like, what, what, what else is there to say about it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what I like? The, the, um, they're, they're rebooting Marvel Comics again mm-hmm. as we speak. Yeah. And this time, I looked and it says, coming soon, a new start. And I thought, they can't even be bothered <laughs> making up a name for this. Yeah, because the last time they just, <laughs> just like, it was called, like... It's like the next one will be called the latest reboot. <laughs> the last one was called something like, seriously, this is super new. <laughs> it was something like that. Yeah. It was some, and I was just like, you start... When I think about it, you guys started your own podcast off the back of the, off the, back of the comics. Yeah. But what... What kind of made you think about starting a, a podcast? Neil. Neil, look, Neil, I think you've probably been interested, I mean, I like podcasts generally, but I think you've probably been interested in podcasts for quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Just the general interest, like... It was, well, I listened to a lot of podcasts, I guess, and it just... I, th- I think it worked, I can't remember when, it, when I first mentioned it to you, but it just struck me as a, a an interesting offshoot of, of Treehouse, in that we could... Do the same thing that we do, kind of when we get together, mm-hmm. yeah. but um, sort of formalise it again. I suppose have another outlet for it. Uh, I mean, we were, when Stuart and I get together, we always end up talking through stuff, like like we've done tonight. Um, and uh, it wasn't just about comics that was the initial first idea. But you know, when I talked to Stuart, he, he basically said, "Well, you kind of have to focus on something yeah, yeah. Um, otherwise it's just it, you just end up talking about anything so and it made sense to talk about comics because that's what we were doing mm-hmm. um, but we've kind of as it's gone on I suppose both of it is both, in both of our nature to never really want to repeat the same thing yeah. more than once um, so we kind of started off with the idea of it, it'll be like a sort of big group type thing we'll talk to people about what they like but it steadily kind of evolved into being We'll kind of have a, an idea for each episode, um, which is why it doesn't come out as regularly as yeah. as you guys' podcast or any podcast. We kind of <laughs> we kind of wait until we've got a good idea for some for an episode that we want to talk about. Oh, before the one that you was recorded in Lakes, what did we do for that one? Um, we did one about comics exhibitions. Oh, and right. So we had Catherine and um, oh, I'm completely blank on on the name. Yeah, of the, other, of the other of the other person, but they'll come back to me later on. It's on the it's on the website. Um, Louise. Oh, Louise, Louise um, from the uh, she had done um, uh, the master's course. Yeah. So um, oh, yeah. so for that example, the, she she set up an exhibition about comics at the at the TCCS, mm-hmm. and Catherine had been involved in the book festival and doing the Ex Libris convention. And she also comes from an art background. Yeah, comes from an art background. So. That episode was all about talking about, and we talked about Hubert, which is a comic about an art exhibition. So we kind of have that sort of loose oh, was theme. Was that the slow comic? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we kind of have this loose theme that we can structure an episode around and talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and like obviously the lakes one with David mm-hmm. more about that experience. So yeah. it's kind of it's got that ongoing nature to it, rather than just being like we're just going to talk about comics. Yeah. Um, and not because that's not interesting. It's just because like we don't we don't we're not able to get together that often. So yeah. when we do, we kind of want it to be sort of a, a its own contained thing as well to make it interesting for us. I suppose just kind of selfish to keep it keep ourselves interested yeah. more than anything. I think we first started to experiment beyond the book group type thing when we went to Leeds last year, the year before. Mm-hmm. The one where it was me, uh, Andy and David. Mm-hmm. How many times have we been at the top level? Three? Three times. Three. You've, only been I've only been twice. But remember, because remember we took the audio recorder and it didn't really feel right to mm-hmm. be going round. And we thought we'd maybe chat to some people yeah. and then maybe just say, we'd, you know, then we'd talk about being at the festival, which is what eventually happened with that so that shows you the kind of length of gestation and I've, I've got audio that I recorded at the um, the Louise's exhibition mm-hmm. which we had a wee section of Treehouse stuff and there was other people's mm-hmm. um, stuff all around there and you know and not interviews but just sort of got people's opinion we never ended up using that in that episode but yeah I think I'm quite in, from one point of view I love podcasts all of the form um, and I also love uh the production of audio programs. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do enjoy that kind of thing. So I feel like it's nice to, to mm-hmm. think about how, what, you know, a podcast is not just one thing. Yeah, know? yeah, totally. Yeah, I kind of feel like the, it's, it's still finding the sort of shape mm-hmm. of it at the moment with the, with the Treehouse yeah. podcast. Like, I can, I can see it's got quite a lot of potential and I've got a few ideas for upcoming episodes, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll just come out as and when yeah. we think of them and, and do them, you know. Yeah. It's not gonna, we're not going to stick ourselves to a regular schedule. Much like with a comic, we just kind of, we try to keep it fairly regular, but... That's no last issue was a pure yeah. I mean, I got married, <laughs> you, had, you finished the course and we had multiple other, other things going Jesus, on. So it was like, we've had this sitting for like weeks, finished. Yeah, with all the submissions that we've been in since last year, it just takes, it takes the time that it takes. But um, also, we've never wanted to, there's no reason for us to, to set a deadline and then if somebody misses it, to say, oh, well, you're not in the comic. Yes. Yeah. First of all, make the comic worse and put unnecessary pressure on people. So it always means that there's like a little bit of roll on time while we wait for people to finish up, which is mm-hmm. fine because everybody's got their own, yeah, exactly. their own lives that they're living. So. Um, and I'd rather come out with an issue that was that we're that, I, that we're happy with mm-hmm. and that works coherent. and coherent <laughs> rather than do something that's just like all right, we said we have it out by this time, so mm-hmm. we'll arbitrarily just make everybody finish it. And yeah. I think when we first started, that we thought if everybody's make if there's twenty people making comics in inverted commas, then it will be like say one issue is a cup. This is the analogy I was using. I don't know if it works. <laughs> <laughs> Say one issue is a cup, so you are filling the box with other pages, and then mm-hmm. it spills into the next cup, right? And then that issue is ready. Well, this one's maybe filling up, and that one can come out, and then mm-hmm. that one. So okay. you know, so we're yeah, developing yeah, yeah. an inventory. Mm-hmm. But it never works like that. The reality is, the reality is that David fills the cup. <laughs> <laughs> The day after we say, we're going to for everybody else's comments. And then nobody else, I'm usually the last one to, to come. To. So. You have to turn off the tap for David. Yeah. But, you know, we've also played with the form, form within the comic as well. Maybe as, as different people have 
Because some people were, thought they might be interested in making comics, maybe mm-hmm. made one or two, were part of it for a while and then moved on. Yeah. Other people have outgrown it, you know, um, which is natural as well. And so, actually, we kind of recently said that we would maybe up the page number per artist okay. or per creator. Mm-hmm. And then that would maybe give like a more... So then it may actually end up that there would only be three of us in it. But actually, that that analogy of the cup filling up would probably work better mm-hmm. if there was less of us. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, no, no, I, I do actually, I've, I've often wondered about what the future is for it. And I do think that <laughs> if it... If so why? I keep asking. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you're, you're as, you're, um, you've got the same amount of agency in this as us, so it's not like, you know... Yeah. Um, you know, I'm. I'm not. Yeah, it's kind of grown beyond what Stuart mm-hmm. and I say it is. You yeah, know, like it's, yeah. your your voice is pretty strong, in this, uh, in this anyway. But you know, I feel like the thing that the thing I'm worried that when you asked me before about worry, it's not the right word. But what what is the plat? What is this platform? That's the kind of question I ask myself a lot, and and you know, and then sometimes I'm like, well. It's somewhere that I can put that work that I do mm-hmm. that's not fitting into the other thing. Or that does sometimes fit there, but you know, they can, it just doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I th- I'm, I'm usually quite self-conscious about the kind of thing that I've put in. For example, the collage with the newspapers. So it's like th- two newspaper pictures and I drew one in between mm-hmm. and then caption it. And I get, I get personally get self-conscious about that because I'm like, is that fitting in with everything else? Then there's the one where I rubbed out the X-Men comic mm-hmm. and put four pages of that and I was worried about that for a lot of reasons. So I'm always, when I'm when I'm engaging with this, I always wonder what platform, what is this as a platform? It's a plat, and so, yeah, that's, that's the kind of question I ask myself a lot. And so when we talk about maybe the future, I think this platform is there and there's other platforms like this anthology comic you know mm-hmm. so and I think we always said that maybe if there was like someone had a full book that they wanted to put out and maybe we could somehow turn ourselves to maybe a wee bit more to publish him mm-hmm. but I don't know if that we haven't as I say we haven't actually talked about this so these are like right. two year old ideas I'm interested yeah. in that in terms of collaboration again I suppose is the, yeah. the number one reason then that say somebody like David or, or John or Sure, or anybody that's in TRS has a longer form comic could be quite interested in working with them to come up with a sympathetic book design mm-hmm. uh, a, a sympathetic form of printing and kind of use the strength of comics as a physical object like that to enhance whatever story they've come up with and rather than us being tied to this rigid uh, American standard format yeah, yeah, yeah. you know being a little more flexible in that regard and also hopefully maybe even go down the avenue of trying to get funding from various places. Now we've got this kind of solid mm-hmm. history yeah. of publishing, self-publishing off our own backs. I'm hoping that we maybe be able to look into different avenues of perhaps getting some funding so that takes the pressure off of the individual creator mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and it gives you the freedom to maybe experiment with more slightly more expensive printing styles and that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Do you remember when we went to the print, you know, print department and we talked with Mark about some of the stuff that was available? That is like, kind of like the direction that I'm thinking. You know, not necessarily 
making books with woodblocks or whatever, but, you know, maybe additioning things or something, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of... Just, just going beyond the digital printing, I think, is, yeah. is quite interesting to me because as flexible and as, and as useful and kind of cheap and it's really opened up comics to a huge variety of people, I think, mm. it has its limitations and when these all the other options are out there, there's no reason not to try them, I think. Yeah, that's, yeah, kind of what, that's what's interesting me about it. Yeah. It's definitely uh, be something that we we want to keep going with, whatever yeah. form it takes. You know? Yeah. Um, whether just because it's not going to be the same as it's been up to this point doesn't mean that we're not going to be continuing to do it in some yeah. shape or form. So have you got have you guys got them like the actual physical copies up for sale, or is it now a case that you take them out to like such as the launch of Forbidden Planet or maybe set up a table at a convention or something like that? I gotta be honest, the selling comics is probably the thing that neither of us is into that at all. <laughs> it's the worst, it's the, definitely the, our weakest element of the whole venture. Um, well, I mean, I got those one at nine from when you put them out, yeah, like for free, which I mean, is mad. <laughs> if, if, there was a way, if there was a way of getting comics printed for free that you didn't have to sell them. I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be happy to do that mm. but uh, obviously that's not the case you yeah, do yeah, have to yeah. sell them so right now they're available for sale in various shops Forbidden Planet um, I can't even remember some of the others we've had them in loads of shops over the years so the trouble is there's one in London I, yeah, I remember yeah. okay um, yeah, uh, this, this demonstrates mm. how, how bad we are keeping right. <laughs> Do you know the thing? You have because it's just us. You like we'd have to be able to go around to all these shops and, mm. and keep track of it and, and get money from them and stuff. So they're always technically for sale through us. Yeah. Just yeah. contact us, and we'll either send you them or we'll tell you where you can buy them locally. Um, but that's another thing I wanted to really try and do is maybe try and sort of uh, an online shop that's a bit more uh, yeah. visible, so people can buy them like that. But also get yeah. them into shops uh, locally that that are willing to stock this stuff. You okay. said, for example, that Forbidden Planet in Glasgow doesn't even have an indie section now. Yeah, they, they don't have so indie stuff last time I was through. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, it may have just been that, you know where the, you know where yeah, the back of the back, back yeah. and just as you go into the kind of back bit on the left, yeah, it wasn't yeah. there and that was, what, two weeks ago, mm. three weeks ago. I mean, it's a small shop, though, yeah. that one. Yeah. But, you know, the reality of it is, like, when you're making this kind of comics, the main place you're going to sell them is at events. Like, yeah, convention. Yeah. yeah. So I've, you just yeah. have to kind of uh, realise that that's the case. And, you know, if you want to go, if you want to sell them, you've got to go to these events. So yeah. you've got to it's interesting, actually, because I was going to say, I'm more interested in, like, showing someone it and going, look at the stuff that we collectively yeah, have done. Yeah. And this is where we're at, and this is what we do, and then having a conversation with someone. Mm -hmm. And like to me, that is the end of it. You know, if you want to buy them, I mean, obviously, I feel like because of the way that we do it with the collective chipping in, but it never costs more than like fifteen or twenty quid for us all to to get them printed. And I know that's still an expense, but I feel like that's part of the. David, you once described it to me like uh, you sort of had this epiphany that the money you spend on comics is like the money people spend on going to the pub yeah, and getting yeah. hammered. Yeah. It's like they spend a hundred quid a week on getting points. You spend yeah. it on getting your comics published and just like how much you had read that realisation, yeah. the pressure dropped off on yeah. you to actually make the money back because you're like, 
this is just what I spend my money on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that because you said, when I said, you know, they're, they're all getting drunk, and you went, yeah, they don't have to make that money back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's never, we've never done this as a money-making exercise. No, it doesn't, so. from what you've been saying through the, through the, the whole uh, being here, you've, you've, you've that's not what it's about, and that's that wasn't that wasn't the, the the point of the question. Yeah, it was no, just like where, where it's most accessible for everybody. Mm-hmm. To kind obviously, of we do want stuff. people to be able to get them. That's yeah. the whole point. So um, a straightforward answer would be: if you're in Edinburgh, go to Forbidden Planet. Mm-hmm. If you're in Dundee, uh, we'll hopefully try and get them back in the shops there. We don't have them right now, uh, but probably the easiest way is just to go. Through Facebook, you actually are really good. You've got them all on your site. Usually, regular after the event, so that like. X Comics. Uh-huh. So, yeah, just contact us <laughs> online and we'll sell them to you. At contact Feather Comics. I'll keep all the money. I mean, that sounds really like I'm shooting myself in the foot, but yeah. I just want people. Yeah, it's I mean, like that's why we need the, the digital ones we just give away for free because mm-hmm. yeah, they're That's what I was going to say. There's a, there's an app that's just come out recently, Comic House. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a website for a while and they've just done a, an app, and they seem to have a lot of like anthologies and like senior yeah. magazines and stuff like that. We have we have had issues like that. I mean, like I said before, the main the main reason that all of it is not available, it's just because it's me and Stuart who have to do it and it's probably at the bottom of our priority list mm. after everything else is done so I think I'll try and or we'll try and make it a bit more readily accessible for folk but we'll just, maybe we'll just like, start <laughs> jumping them out of the window especially yeah. in libraries it's <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's always an option though isn't it I mean there's going to be, there's going to be places where you're going to be able just to, you could literally stack them up and say free take for anybody to have a look, you know. Yeah. If it's more of, if it's more about showcasing like other other people's work or whatever and just showing, showing it off as like look at what our friends did kind of thing. When you give stuff away, physical things away for free, it's different for digital stuff I think, but if you yeah. give something physically away for free it kind of, something weird happens in people's heads where they just they don't, they don't value it it's worthless so a nominal fee I think is always going to be important but it's more just um, I guess finding the right place to have them where they're not just stuck in some shelf somewhere mm-hmm. where nobody cares about it but yeah, actually yeah. like we had the launch of Forbidden Planet in Edinburgh and they've been really good about you know having it on display and lots of yeah. other small press stuff so even if it's just one or two shops that have it but knowing that that people who find it there will actually see it in, in the right context is yeah, probably yeah. the most important yeah. way of having it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I've so always yeah. been much more interested in the events, actually. And I think when we did the events at first, they were, we put a lot of energy into them, you know, when we built the treehouse and we mm-hmm. put together even the camp, the wee campsite. Mm-hmm. And, but then just like that, if you're, if you're having four of them a year, it can get a bit weary. Yeah, yeah, a bit weary. I see with the conventions as well. I think like the, if if you go to every single convention of the year, you go mental. So you can, I, do you know? Actually, I really hate it. I, I I'm just I've, I used to be well, yeah, and that I hate it. I yeah. just hate sitting behind those tables. Yeah, I think my ideal convention experience would be just to have a big table where everybody leaves their comics, and somebody stands behind and sells them, and then everybody mm. else just mills around and gives the talks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. just never. I mean, I've talked. See, the people that I have talked to have thought, oh, well, whatever been brilliant that's been the highlight of the weekend or whatever but some people are just downright 
like just unwilling to talk to you, they even look at you or say hello. And then there's this always a weird, I always feel like there's a weird, I'm not going to touch it because if I touch it, you're going to think I'm going to buy it type thing. <laughs> and then I also feel like you're sitting behind a table and they're standing, so there's a very obvious mm. power yeah. dynamic there that you've got to overcome. I mean, I've said stuff like, let's just take the table and imagine the table's there and just move it back and stand, we'll stand in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or whatever it is, just somehow break that. Somehow, yeah, yeah. Beca- and, and I think that, that that's just me being uh, restless mm-hmm. more than anything. But I feel like there's a lot of assumption. It's the same with art gallery exhibition. There's a lot of uh, conceptions or conventions, as you would call it. This is how you do it. This is the way you put the frames up. And, you know, that kind of work goes in there. And, like, you don't show videos in that context. No, show them what you want. Stand where you want, do what you want. And it's the feeling that if you haven't covered your table costs, then you've somehow failed. Yeah. Like, you, you've not you've not achieved what you came to set out to do. You yeah. haven't got your money back. It really bothered me, actually, that that first time we were at uh, Thought Bubble and some of the folk around us had travelled really far. I think there was some folk from Inverness, actually, as well, even further than here, obviously. And I just didn't like the idea that because there's that kind of they choose you. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay, yeah, yeah. Like you apply to do it and then they, they sort of like create it or choose it or yeah, whatever, yeah. however they would call it. And then what they, you you pay all your money, you pay your 45 quid or your 90 quid, whatever it is for your table, half table, and you travel down there and you get your hotel for the Friday and Saturday. Mm-hmm. So you're like already at like 300 quid, yeah. 400 quid, <laughs> and then you sell four fucking comics. <laughs> and then you, what I hate is the idea, that's fine if that's what you want to do, because that's what we've done. But we've obviously split it between mm-hmm. like the six of us at one point. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that then I don't want this person or whoever it is going home thinking that, that that's the model. Mm-hmm. That that's the only way they can sell the work or break into it or whatever it is. That's the thing that really upsets me about that, that model. Um, because we were a bit like, oh, we'll just go down and have a laugh and we'll mm-hmm. meet people. And then, you know sometimes you struggle to even talk to the person who's on the next table to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, yeah, do you want one of these? And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't trade mine, so mm-hmm. you're not, you're basically <laughs> what they're saying is you're not getting a free one of mine. And I'm like, I don't care. And then, you know, it doesn't work. <laughs> so, I, I don't you're know. So, you're the shit, you know, I'm not fucking Yeah. <laughs> but I just feel like it, it's, it's not the be all and end all. Yeah. You know, and I actually think that for myself, making books in, in, in various forms is actually probably a good way of containing a lot of the random things for want of a better expression that I've done or the disparate things that I've done mm-hmm. and so it makes sense to make books but it doesn't make sense to go to these things yeah. I've enjoyed ones like Ex Libris was very mm-hmm. good um, the f- we didn't get to go to the food market one did we no. but I have been at that one have, I, have you been at that one I remember you saying I went. This looks good. I went last year. I went. And then I applied and not. Yeah. Put <laughs> a bit of a dry run recently. Mm. The Don Fairman Common Con got cancelled. Uh, yes. And, yeah. I know. I was going to that. Let's just go. Let's just go to Columbus. Eh? Yeah. CXC. Uh, oh my God. Go on a holiday. <laughs> That's all it is for us nowadays. Oh, we we'll just go for a yeah. holiday together. It's that's great though yeah. actually just going for the kind of get together you know you think of all those people that have as you say they are there and they've got to make that money back and get a 
prophet. And, and there's so many heartbroken, desolate faces on yeah. Sunday afternoon. <laughs> it's it's unreal. It is, yeah. And in fact, when we first went, people were coming, you know, people were like, and maybe just knew online or met them once in London or something, and they'd come up and say, oh, how's it going? Yeah. And we were like, ah, great, <laughs> love it. You yeah. know, and they was like, ah, oh, and they'd go, ah, I don't know, I've not sold much of it. <laughs> oh, and I thought, oh, you're asking about how we're selling. Oh, <laughs> who knows, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, we were just too busy. Yeah, even if you did sell it, then you'd bought twice as many comics as you'd ever saw anyway. There was one thought bubble I went armed with my latest comic as money. And I just went to every single stall and went, do you do swaps? And they went, yeah, I went, nice one. And I just came back with a carrier bag. I just went, nothing but just giving away all the comics. Yeah, it was great. I thought, oh, these are money here. Yeah. You know, the odd person was as you said, yeah. the economics of it. Oh no. <laughs> no did you see that did you see that video that was the guy that opened the restaurant and went in his basement and found Hulk one to six? There's somebody else down a carrier bar. Oh wait, was that the one that you said? Yeah, And he's like, oh fun these. That's like when Stuart showed up with a yak face. I know. <laughs> I don't know yak face. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Star Wars uh, same that about the convention that I just lost I remember. Um, would you ever do something like that yourself? Like you just like an event or something with other yeah, folk? But we did think about that at the time. But yeah. saying to them kind of thing like it's just gonna be relaxed, like Yeah. I'd, 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 I would love to do something like that, but it's just the sort of logistical yeah, 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 issues yeah, yeah. behind it, whether we'd want to get weighed into that because it's always more than you you'd ever expect it to be. But, mm-hmm. I'm very interested in how all this would come together. I mean, with other art forms, like in a bigger festival, kind of way. But I don't know, Dundee's always a strange beast when it comes to these things because, you know, the population just descends immediately in the summer and makes it quite hard for things. Um, But, you know, I think that's certainly changing. Um, I would definitely be interested in that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And you could tie it in. I've always thought about stuff like that. You can always tie it into like music events or yeah. film events or whatever, as well as like people selling their stuff or whatever. When John does his film adaptation of Terror from the Outside, <laughs> we'll, we'll have a relaunch. <laughs> we did actually get in touch with um, Jeffrey Lewis when he was playing oh, a couple nice. of times. We didn't make it to the Glasgow one though for some reason. Team Girl went to that one. Mm. Um, but he he does that as part of his yeah, 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 yeah. Gets like folk in and we, I mean, when we started this, we were like, yeah, I'm almost right to Jeff, Jeff Lewis and get him to do a comic. He'll do a cover for us. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and then and we did try to, we, we went, oh, that was another thing we did. We kind of went through and got in touch with folk who were part of like, you know, so for example, we had Gillian Hatcher mm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. in one of the issues and that was kind of like um, an attempt to sort of reach out to yeah, the Glasgow scene. Because mm-hmm. I was living in Glasgow for a long, well, Two or three years mm-hmm. at the time. She was on one of the podcasts as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we so, had a few guests over the time, yeah. just folk that we either know or know of their work or just know of them as people. So yeah, again, it's just a lot of things. Back catalog and the, yes. and the uh, podcasts as well as the books. So just dedication. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs>
Oh, I can't thank you enough for coming along. No, not at all. Thanks for having me. It's very good to talk about this. <laughs> I wasn't actually expecting to ask so many things about Treehouse. I didn't know that, honestly. And I didn't really think that. You sound fine. You thought you'd get 15 minutes out of the talk. Well, that's it. I've seen the email. I don't know if you've got much to do. To send us any comments or questions or just to say hello, you can reach us by email at thatcomicsmell at gmail.com. We're also available on Instagram and Twitter at that comic smell. Share the podcast with your friends and followers. We're available on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Thanks for listening. track you can hear is by Chart Smasher, aka John Adam. You can find Chart Smasher on Bandcamp. Also, John just released his graphic novel called Terror from the Other Side. You can find that on his Big Cartel Special Dudes Comics. You can also follow John on Twitter at Joan Edam. J-O-A-N-E-D-A-M. Hey folks, I just wanted to tell you that the British Podcast Awards are looking for their Listener's Choice Award uh, and you can actually vote for us there. It's a bit of a long shot because we're up against like every single podcast there is, but it would be nice to give it a go. Um, so if you go to www.britishpodcastawards.com and you should be able to find the Listener's Choice section. If you type in our name, it should come up straight away. And then you just put in your name, email address, and send it off. Thanks very much in advance for voting for us. And uh, fingers crossed, eh?